gentlemen, thank you once again for joining us for this latest episode of INC Radio and another one of our classic rewatches. My name's Carl Birmage and somewhere over on planet Earth is my co-host, Uncle Joey MMA, Clay Richardson. How's it going, guys? Pleasure to be here once again. Started to do it a pretty quick turnaround, actually. Normally we do it like two or three weeks after the last one. We did it one week after. We're back yet again. I think we found a cycle which makes this work. We found a time which works for both of us. And I think we can churn out these videos a lot, um, lot earlier than we normally like. And I think as well, it's a good way as well to build up hype for like upcoming fight nights and pay-per-view situations further down the road. We've really started to enjoy doing these classic rewatches. It's a bit, um, a bit OSW if you ever watch them. <laughs> you bring this up every time, I'm pretty sure. I love them guys, honestly, it's just a group of Irish lads around sort of like early 20s and they just watch old wrestling events and even if you don't really follow pro wrestling, it is so funny. Alright, we gotta figure out some way to get this uh, somehow live streamed, I totally want to do that, but we'd need actual fight footage for that one brother yes and i i'm fairly certain that dana white's not gonna lend it to like some <laughs> youtube channel no not us not us because i'm pretty sure uh jay said he told me he even reached out like when he was at like ufc sao paulo he was talking to one of their representatives he even asked if they could buy like a license or something just to use footage and they said no <laughs> like they want to completely own you basically like they wanted to buy him out <laughs> and he has media clearance as well so yeah he's yeah. a lot higher placed than yeah, what so. <laughs> i don't think that's happening anytime soon but yeah we are here with fight night gustafson versus smith we're watching i guess live along me and him we're watching live along on fight pass you can tune in right now we're at uh two minutes and 12 seconds it's just before the fights are starting so the promo work and everything but yeah it's another rewatch here we go and the first time we've done the fight night as well so it's going to be a little bit of a different experience for us like normally we used to say goldberg joe rogan john Anik, the whole <laughs> works now we've yeah. got the tv team uh the european fight commentary as well which i don't really have an issue with because i think that john gooden and dan hardy especially are fantastic yeah i like them a lot i think paul felder is a perfect little spice in there I don't know why, but Paul Felder. Is he Canadian? I feel like he is, but he, I don't think he is. <laughs> I think I Felder's, think Felder. um, I'm tempted to say it's um, Philadelphia. Yeah, I think the reason why I'm saying that is because he fought on Fight Night 105. Like, I saw him knock out a Canadian, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so that's probably why I'm thinking that. And he was proper low down the card as well. So, like, people yeah, talk yeah, about these, like, career turnarounds. Like, Felder was just a run-of-the-mill lightweight guy. And you want then, to know who else was on the prelims for that? Thiago Santos. <laughs> that was against, was it Marshman? Yeah, yeah. It just goes to show, you know, you just, you time these uh, moves up in weight class right, you take your opportunities when you can, and it just mm -hmm. could completely transform your career. Which is quite yeah. appropriate when we talk yeah. about Anthony Smith, because I think he's one of the, the biggest examples of that. Yeah, yeah. Simple reason why we chose uh, Gustafson versus Smith. Obviously, at the time we record this, we're mm -hmm. preparing for Smith versus Alexander Rakic. So we had a look through their different fight histories, and both of these guys fought on this card. So it just made perfect sense that we would showcase this one. Both of them got wins as well. Makes perfect sense, in my opinion. 
Got some Gustafson promos right here. Showing the Jones fight. This is uh this was after the rematch, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that was uh, that team knocking out Jimmy Manoway. That was Fight Night London, I think, twenty fourteen. Okay. <laughs> yeah, those yeah, uppercuts against Glover were vicious. Just yeah, that was me. a massive class of striking right there. You know what? I think there's a generation of fans, you know, who'll be looking at what happened to uh, Gus against John and then obviously the Verdum fight. A lot of people forget just how good this guy was. Some of the best striking, some of the best boxing for someone of his mm -hmm. height and his size as well. Very light on his feet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. And I'm not a lot gonna... of the fights, uh, a lot of the fights that he gets put in, where he gets uh, sort of beaten badly, it's always a stylistic nightmare for him. Like Johnson, like heavy-handed brawler, yeah. that's gonna like that's a nightmare for someone like him. And you look through the people he's fought as well. He all his face are just absolute killers all the past couple mm -hmm. of years. I'm trying to think of yeah. the last sort of yeah. lower-level opponent, and you you're going back to what Matt Yashenko, UFC 141. And since then, it's been like, yeah. it's been Shogun, Jones, Jimmy Manoir. And what you could argue, Jimmy Yeah, Manoir ever since maybe... the Jones, the first Jones fight, they've really kept him around that top, that top area in the top five. He's always considered like the number one or number two guy. And he was a massive underdog for that fight as well. I was looking over the uh, bookmakers mm -hmm. odds. He was something like, I think John was something like minus 1,200 to win. Crazy, man. But yeah, here's another guy we've never even talked about, I'm pretty sure. Alexander. Barely I, even mentioned him. And I'm excited by Rakic as well. I think there's a lot mm -hmm. of people who are sleeping on him. And I think maybe that's because he lost against Volkan. And personally, I thought Rakic won that fight. But you look at the guys in light heavyweight. And I've said this for a long time, you know. People like always paint light heavyweight as a sort of... Uh, division on life support. It's going to be absolute crap now that John's moved up to heavyweight, all that sort of stuff. Yes, yeah. the top four or five isn't as good as the John, DC, Rumble, Glover either. But look at those guys around sort of six to ten. You look at Yuri, Volkan, Rakic, and Kalaev. You've got some absolute killers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Kutelava versus Ankalaev tonight, brother. That's Hopefully. another one that's Fingers on crossed, because you know what? Hopefully, you think something's going to happen? <laughs> I'm not putting anything out the equation, considering what we've seen over the course yeah, of this year. Yeah, it's pretty early, brother. It is. <laughs> it's got the it whole is. day. <laughs> like, I, like, the one that always sticks in my mind was 2.34, when uh, Whitaker pulled out. I think it was, what, three hours before the show started? Oh, yeah. So I was asleep. I didn't know that <laughs> Whitaker had pu pulled out until I woke up the morning. And then I just turned on the screen because I never stay up to watch it live. And then I just heard that Whitaker had pulled out. So, oh, man, that would be horrible. It was bad. And you know what? Hindsight 2020, I probably feel a bit foolish for saying this, but at the time, I thought Kelvin was going to win that fight. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was uh, kind of a, another... I think it would be pretty similar to the Romero fight, except I don't think he'd be making sort of like the stalling of Romero. Like, Romero likes to wait a lot. Like, if you want, <laughs> a good example of that is uh, Adesanya, Adesanya fight. Everybody always goes for that, but he likes to wait a lot, and that fight, 
if he put on a little bit more steam, like that was probably his most active fight when he fought uh, Whitaker the second time. That's when he really tried to kill the guy. Like that's the first time I see somebody really try and kill somebody in the octagon. And he just kept on coming. I think Romero is so much better than three round fights. A lot mm -hmm. of his, a lot of his nervousness is concerns over his cardio because he carries so much muscle. Yeah. But in a three round fight, well, as we saw against Paulo Costa, he was fantastic, and that was that. Honestly, is one of my favorite fights of say the past twelve months. Yeah, that's definitely a a banger. Holy shit, that's a fight you could uh, hype somebody up. Like, I remember I hyped somebody up for that for, like, weeks and weeks and weeks, and it actually delivered like that. Sort of like Yuri versus Volkan. That's another yes, one that I did yes. like that. You were the big it's guy who turned me on to Yuri because we gave you that opportunity on the preview show to say, hey, you follow Ryzen, you're big on this guy. And everything you said in terms of the way he fought, in terms of how you thought he had a chance against Volkan, all played out in the way that you expected. So I'm going to be doing the same thing with the Manel Cape. That's going to be happening soon. I think he signed a fight contract for that, actually. I'm trying to think when he's going to be on. I, I can't see him being on the undercard of any of the pay-per-views, so it's going to be a fight night, I think. Yeah, I think they're going to undersell him. <laughs> I think they're going to undersell him. But I could see they promised him like a like a top five flyweight. Like it was in his contract. It was sort of like something. I don't think it was top five, maybe top ten. It was probably top 10. I don't think they would give him top 5. But I think it was similar to what happened with Yuri. So you could see him getting like maybe a, maybe a Formiga or I, I was going to say a Ray Borg, but not anymore. No, Borg just retired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's gone. Well, he, he appeared to retire and then he deleted the um, Instagram post. Oh, okay. So okay. maybe it's a bit of a lost in translation situation. Because I'm right in saying the Cape was supposed to fight Bontari. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that was supposed number, to happen in October. I think he's number 11, I think. Yeah, that was supposed to happen in October, so it makes you wonder. He's probably fighting in, like, December. Who knows? Let me look that up, actually. Meanwhile, I'll try and give you a little bit of a uh, build-up to what we're seeing right now. We're uh, right into the first fight on the main card, and we've got Korean fighter Song Bin Jo unbeaten going into this fight. He is mm -hmm. taking on, I believe, um, Daniel Tamer. So, obviously, with it being in Stockholm, with it being a Swedish card, you've got a lot of uh, Scandinavian fighters mm -hmm. on this one. Uh, Daniel Tamer is going to be up in just a couple of minutes' time. We've got uh, Amir Khani, very entertaining fighter, Mark Wan. I think he's he doesn't get the praise that I think a lot of people deserve, in my opinion, Mr. Finland. Uh, in terms of the other sort of Swedish Scandinavian fighters who were on the prelims, uh, Lena Landsberg fought, you've got Bia Malecki, uh, Duda Santana as well. So basically, if you were female, so like an Eastern, like a Scandinavian female, you were guaranteed to be on this card. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's strange how different nations sort of like manage to generate talent in different sort of divisions. Because I always find it quite strange how many of the top light heavyweights are European. Yeah, that's true. You do look into that, and it, it is primarily a European division. Like, uh, just John Jones is, like, the most iconic American other than maybe Chuck. Chuck, I guess, was, uh, I guess you could consider that, uh, you know, 205. 
I think Chuck was a bigger mainstream star than John. I think John is John is more beloved by well, hardcore fans. Like Chuck is in movies. You don't see John Jones in a movie. Like I watched, well, apart from the one they show in the um, courtrooms. <laughs> I went there. CNN Live League or something. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm just looking at the light heavyweight <laughs> rankings here, the top ten. So you've got, you got Blakovitz, Polish, Yevi, who's um, Czech, Volkan, yeah. Switzerland, so that ultra-violent nation of Switzerland. Rakic is Austrian. Krylov is... I'm tempted to say with Nikita Krylov, Ukrainian. And Misha Serkinov is Canadian, but I believe has Latvian parents. Okay. Even our boy okay. Paul Craig, number 15. Yeah, I just edited a segment on him. Finished that yesterday. Did you manage to get all the material for that one? Yeah, that was a pretty easy one. There was like a BBC piece on it, on his whole like... Uh backstory when he was in uh it was back when he was in the bama days so it he does look proper proper young in that like his head is shaved and he doesn't have the beard so he looks pretty pretty different but it is him <laughs> i've always had a soft spot for paul craig um, oh yeah i believe he uh, he does a lot of work for um uh, children's uh, children's mental health um, yeah yeah autism especially so as somebody who's a big advocate of that i always have to look out for the guy yeah, definitely. Speak to guys. Speaking of boys, we, we need to we need to talk about some of the potential additions to your boy stable. We always like to do this every week. So here's some fighters from the Munoz versus Edgar card. I want your opinion whether or not you think they're worthy of uh, being added to your boy stable. Um, slow Mike Rodriguez. I'm gonna lie. I gotta tell you, brother. I didn't. Even, I missed that card, brother. Honestly, <laughs> I only made it to the uh, to the main event. I slept in for that, man. I pulled a long editing shift, so I've only really seen uh, just quick little highlights. So I can't. I can't judge it, man. I can't tell you, man. You I have to be revo honest. Revoked my uh, MMA fan card. <laughs> I was working though. I was working though. You can blame me on that. I have to be honest. You missed some absolute. Belt. I know, I know. I feel like a dirty casual. Like there was two great comebacks. There was like Daniel Rodriguez uh, and Dwight Grant, uh, Trevin Jones and Timo Valuev. So that was a big upset as well because Trevin Jones was like a journeyman who took it on what three or four days' notice. What about Shayna Dobson? Yeah, I heard about that. That's supposed to be like the biggest upset, like second biggest upset, other than like I Sokaju maybe. Um, I believe it's the biggest UFC upset, and it's the fifth biggest of all time. Sokaju's still number okay. one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't think anything could beat Sokaju. <laughs> no, not in this day and age. I think that was one of those sort of sort of breaking moments. We've still started our first fight here, Tima versus Joe. 450, 449, mm -hmm. 448. Because it reminds me a bit of when Leicester City won the Premier League. Uh, the book, One of the bookmakers had odds of 5,000 to 1 on them to win the Premier League and so when they actually did it all the bookmakers said we're never going to offer those kind of odds again just in case <laughs> that's crazy like honestly I mean I'm, I'm a big MMA fan but I also follow football I don't think we'll ever see a story like Leicester City ever again like oh my Taylor with a big hook and he is throwing bombs absolute bombs right now Tell you what, how many times have we seen this though, you know, where you have a fighter who comes into the UFC unbeaten 
and then mm-hmm. they just get comp. I wouldn't say outclassed. I think that's a rude way to put it. But you can I tell think it's the something occasion. to do with the cameras and just the way that the octagon is and just just the new experience and just sort yes. of the, the center stage it definitely has something to do with it. You saw that with uh, Yuri a lot. He was not in the game. <laughs> he was not in the game early. He was doing. He was showing off in that fight. Yeah. I think Yuri sort of got away with it because obviously it's crowdless. But I mean, yeah. in a situation like Joe here, you're fighting in front of like fourteen thousand fans. Yeah. The hometown fighter is your opponent. So it's going to be a big pressure situation. It's going to be thousands of miles Absolutely. away because he's based in Korea. Mind you, he just landed some couple of uh, decent shots oh. there before the clinch. Oh, nice knee. Oof. Just missed with that kick. I always get the Tamer brothers mixed up. Is um, is it Daniel Tamer's on top. Is it Daniel or David who um, lost to Chase Hooper? I'll have to look that up. I know you I'm gonna have to look this one up as well. Just looking through Daniel's uh, record here. Yeah, he was the one who Daniel lost Taylor. to um, Chase Hooper. Round one, holy crap! Did you see the um, Did you see the video clip of uh, Chase Hooper? Actually, uh, Ben Askren's been filling in for DC on Evil Helwani's show. <laughs> yeah, I seen that clip. <laughs> I love the friendship between I gotta post something like that with you. <laughs> I'll do that when I move into my new place. I'm not old enough to look like your dad, I'm afraid. <laughs> One of my friends come in, I'll just say I'm talking to my dad or something on Skype. <laughs> I have to be, be honest, funny. like, I've got a lot of friends, I've got a lot of family members, and I tell them. Like, hey, I'm recording a podcast. They just have no idea what this actually entails. Yeah, that's true. You could be talking about, like, the X-Files or, like, a show or something. They don't know. <laughs> Trying to get us back into the... Movie um... podcast. I think we found our niche a little bit with this one, to be honest. Because, I mean, we tried to do the... Sort of like the new sort of format, and yeah, that was fine. But I do really enjoy this sort of like light-hearted. Let's just enjoy the fight situation. Yes, sir. It's great to have something to carry the conversation. I guess. Great to have something to something do on a Saturday as well. I don't have to pay attention to what Newcastle are doing. Oh man, Joe's got him in the clinch here. Oh, big knee from Joe. Been pretty fast paced so far. I have to give them that. Because Tamer landed a couple of big bombs. Joe tried to make something happen on the ground. And now we're just starting to see the pace slow a little bit. And two of those knees he's landed there, Kara. He's doing pretty good. The one thing I'll say about Korean fighters oh, is my. they are so again. aggressive. Seems like Tamer sort of strikes there. He's just sort of lunging in there. Sort of like he didn't really land anything there. Oh man, big Ooh, uppercut big overhead from Tamer. They're in the center of the octagon again. You can see George is trying to stay on the outside there. So he's he's the counter striker. He's waiting for Tamer to try and make the first move and then catch him with like a knee or a, or a big uppercut coming in. Like I was saying before, though, I think if there's there's like certain nations that produce certain styles and they're usually entertaining, 
I would put I would put Korean fighters on the hall in that sort of higher echelon. I think because normally when you get a Korean fighter, like as we've seen with Korean Zombie or Superboy Choi, they can put on some absolute belters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. The Swanson versus Choi fight? That was close to me, actually. I don't know why I didn't go and see that. That was when I was in college, though. That so. was that was Canada, <laughs> wasn't it? That was 206. Yeah. That I was when I was in, like, in college, but I was watching. I was watching, definitely. And there were some absolute belters on that card as well. So you missed out okay. big because that was Kelvin's debut at 185, destroyed Tim Kennedy. Swanson that was just like that was a year after I moved to college, so I I wasn't completely familiar with the landscape, so I didn't want to go to Toronto by myself for like the first time ever <laughs> for like a pay per view and then have to go back at like midnight. That would have been bad. I would have had to take trains to get there. So I would do that now. Honestly, I would. Next time you see one in Canada, I'll probably be there, brother. I think now I've got a bit of disposable income. I will try and get tickets for the, um, one of the next British cards. Yeah, do it. I'm going to the next Halifax one. Cause how many cards are they doing in, uh, in Canada every year? You'd be looking about three or four. Uh, yeah, sorry, I got some food here. If you're wondering why it's uh, weird at times, I'm just eating along with the show. But uh, yeah, normally they do. Uh, normally it's out uh, west coast, so. You see a lot of Vancouver and like Saskatchewan cards. Like, if you see like the Moncton one, that was like the last closest one to me, really. I always found that a, a quite strange card, because like I don't really know like Moncton, like the Moncton area all that well. Yeah. So I expect like Mont Montreal and Toronto, Vancouver, all the big cities. Yeah, so. it's quite strange that they did that, because normally that would be like a Halifax card. Like they would put that in Nova Scotia. But they haven't done that since like 2017, the last one that I went to, because I'd totally be there. <laughs> but yeah, they haven't done they haven't done that in a while. So I guess sort of that was sort of like a middle ground between Halifax and like I, I don't even know exactly where Moncton is. I'm gonna say like maybe that was in between Quebec and Nova Scotia. I don't know. <laughs> Let me look. But yeah, I'm surprised they didn't do like a Toronto show. But maybe it was too early. Oh yeah, that's New Brunswick. It's New Brunswick. And yet with the UK, you get the London show every March. And if you're lucky, you can get yourself something like 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 we had Liverpool a couple of years ago, Glasgow I think twenty seventeen. But apart from that, you've got mm. I mean that's it. And sometimes that second card doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because normally they'll take it to like Dublin or they'll do one in Poland or the uh, Netherlands, places like that. So we don't get that many opportunities to watch UFC cards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm looking right now, that Moncton, it's right above Nova Scotia. Literally, my brother, he drove like an hour to get to that card. So it's quite strange that they put it there instead of Halifax. Because it's right next to Maine. But it's not really close to anywhere else other than Nova Scotia. <laughs> I do love it when the UFC goes to these um, new locations, mind you. Yeah, that is a new location. Like, that was a whole new arena. So I think that's why they did that instead of going to Halifax. Because I'm fairly certain. They probably got a better deal or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'm fairly certain the plan in June this year was to do uh, Fight Night Kazakhstan. I think it was Marias yeah, yeah. and Sandhagen. Yeah. 
That's true. And also, Jason was telling me they were going to do a Halifax card this year. They were going to go. So, it's quite strange. We'll see what the next year entails, I guess, if they're going to wipe the whole slate clean and start over or I think try it, and retail some of these events. I think everyone who had one rescheduled, well, had one scheduled, will get to again in 2021. Okay. So, I think, I think we'll, we'll see Kazakhstan. We'll see uh, Dublin. All right. To be honest, I've, we'll I've, I've missed the international fight night. Because, I mean, the, the quality level isn't the greatest, but I do like seeing when you've got, like, a show in, say, Tokyo or China, and you've got the local lads who just, like, know, hey, I've got nothing to lose, and just put on these absolute wars. Yeah, yeah. And one of the best fights I watched, you know, from the prelims, I think it was Roldan Sancha-Arn versus John Delos Reyes. Never heard of either guy. I, can't, I like, can't think of that. Part. It was like the prelims <laughs> of Fight Night Philippines, but that fight is an absolute war. Like they drop in each other pretty much every chance they get in the second round. <laughs> Speaking of getting dropped, did you see uh, that one championship fight yesterday with that guy getting leg kicked? Ooh. That was horrible. <laughs> that referee wanted to see that guy die. <laughs> what about Stan Fairtex? Oh yeah, that was biased commentary. I call. I actually called out um, Skiavello for that, not to his face. I'll never do that. But I said, "Hey, Michael and Mitch think that think this is a lot more one-sided than it actually is." Yeah, I saw some people actually got blocked by him yesterday. I saw that as people well. People were tweeting at him, so I I didn't even mention it. Honestly, <laughs> something that controversial. He follows me, so I'm not gonna freaking get him to block me. I'd be sad about that. Like I'm be never... sad about that forever. Like I've never, I've never understood why there's people out there who tweet directly to famous people just to say something offensive. Because yeah, like I remember I've reading, um, like Megan Anderson retweeted something that one of the fans said to her, and it was something like, "You look like a man, but your body's banging." <laughs> like what person would say that in the real world? It's the internet, dude. <laughs> it's a vile place sometimes, honestly. <laughs> man that's she gets ragged on so much so i feel so bad for that person oh my god megan i don't think any no fight in my opinion i think any fighter who steps into there regardless of whether you like them or you dislike them what they say etc they are being very brave to take part in that kind of sport I yeah, think it's speaking all... about uh megan though like in terms of not just saying that though i've been seeing more people give her a better shot against Nunes than uh, Felicia did, honestly. Well, she's always <laughs> going to have a puncher's chance. Yeah, yeah, and really. I will say that I don't think the Megan is the finished article by any means. She does have height and reach on her side. Um, and I do think if you compare how she fought in Invicta, where she fought Charmaine Tweet, and in my opinion, didn't really look all that great, even though she got the win. And then you compare the sort of composure and especially the way she settled that Norma Dumont knockout. Like that sort of mm -hmm. sidestep and then just coming forward. Very well done. I do think she's made strides as a fighter, but those strides aren't going to be enough. Yeah, shouldn't we should probably get back to that fight? <laughs> we sort of went off I, on a tangent there. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's sort of a sign of just how badly this fight's petered out that we're not really talking about it. Yeah. All right, we're in round three. 442. 440. 
Go ahead. You can do it. 439, 438, 437. I always feel like I'm on Thunderbirds when I do the countdown. <laughs> we should really set up a clock. You know how to do that in OBS? I wish I could, but I don't want to. To be honest, it's just audio right now, so... When we oh, actually, yeah, that's... When we actually get the permission to um, actually use the footage, which will never happen... <laughs> <laughs> then we'll do it live because we did try doing the um, just our faces watching the fights and it didn't work at all. I think our best bet is to honestly do a actual pay per view or an actual fight night live. Yes, uh, one of the European shows, something like that. Oh yeah, we could do that. We could do that. And if we set up a timer with that, that would be that would be best. Because trust me, my my body clock is a complete mess anyway. So I could not stay up till 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. If we got, like, say, a lot of Patreon donations, then I might do it. <laughs> it was sort of like, say, hey, on, I'll give you... I do it all the time for you. I do it all the time, man. Last was show, sort of... I was up 24 hours for this. It was sort of like, <laughs> hey, give us, like, I don't know, $50. If we raise... Tell you what, I actually <laughs> put that out now. If we raise $50 on the Patreon page, I will do a live fight companion. All right, you're going to have to put that out on the YouTube, brother. Yes. Um, put that on the community wall. Fingers crossed, because obviously the YouTube channel has been in a bit of a rough patch recently. Yeah. But I was talking about you on Twitter about this, and I'm going to continue posting again. I think that I shouldn't, yeah. I shouldn't be running scared of what could potentially be taken down. This was done as a bit of fun anyway. And if the worst happens, I'll just start from the beginning again. I've got like the followers on the uh, Twitter page. Obviously, the videos were the, yeah, I've got yourself. The videos were popular enough to reach the numbers that they did anyway. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the chance. Yeah, really. If it, if it gets deleted and you upload like a like biggest can crushers or something like that, that could easily be a two hundred thousand view video, and I'll just recoup most of pretty much all the fans that missed you. I mean, when you reach sort of like 30, I mean, I'm very close to getting 37,000, which... Yeah, holy shit. When I started that in, what, say, February 2017, and I was getting like about 200 hits for that um, uh, undeserved title shots video. God, yeah. I, honestly, I've rewatched that video as well. The editing and the narration is absolutely god-awful. <laughs> Oh well, brother, you gotta start somewhere. I, you do. I feel the same way. I feel the same way when I watch my old ones. Thank God there's no narration. Holy shit! But I did have a good mic back then, so I think I think it would have been pretty good actually. As I've you always can, had good microphones. As you can plainly tell, I have never had a good microphone. <laughs> well, I like PC game a lot, so I'm always talking to people on Discord and stuff. So I need it, or else people yell at me and shit. Well, I need to keep this one for. At least another four months oh, because it was my. a... Oh, Tamer just landed a big Ooh. hook. Jaws, yeah, Jaws cardio is not held up in this fight. Yeah. Tamer has just grinded him out in this fight. Oh, man, another takedown attempt. A lot of clinching. He's on him like butter, man. You can tell that's Jaws' background. You can tell Jaws a Muay Thai guy. Because he's trying to go for those... He's trying to yeah. set up that tie clinch every chance he could. But I do love it, you know, when a fighter does that. 
like Muay Thai and Thai clinching is one of my favourite um, weapons in MMA. Because I was really impressed with, um, and again, I'm a bit biased because she's one of my favourite fighters, but Raquel Pennington, when she fought Marion Renault, <laughs> some of those knees she threw in that fight, she was hammering Renault with Muay Thai. Coming oh, down to, man. Coming down to the final 15 seconds. seconds right now. Fairly comfortable win for Tamer, but he's trying to go no, for the I finish. I think Joe's got this. <laughs> still undefeated. Yeah, Buffer doesn't really do that, does he? Buffer never goes no. for the and still undefeated. That's more of a Joe Martinez thing. Yeah. yeah. That's it, brother. Joe is still... <laughs> I'd say one thing I have noticed, this must have been just before UFC 238, because you could see all the um, adverts for the uh, two title fights, and it reminds me of that glorious moment when Jessica I was fighting for a UFC title. <laughs> oh yeah, that was the card, wasn't it? It was a fantastic card as well. Like, a lot of people forget that, because, I mean, 239 had all the big high-profile stars, and Probably some of the fights outmatched what 238 did, but 238 you know, is uh, such an Woodley, under... he had uh, $10,000 on that. He had 10000 on Jessica I there. <laughs> is that the same guy who bet on um, Acapulco last week? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. That must have been a crazy bet. You know, like, obviously, women's flyweight gets a lot of grief, you know. Um, and, and quite rightly so, because I, I don't think that a lot of the top challenges are matching up the Chev. But yeah. you look at some of these sort of like early title challenges when the UFC introduced a new weight class, and you had some pretty ropey fighters who were fighting for belts. I mean, not necessarily bad fighters, but because I mean, you had people like, like Liz Carmouche or David Lesseau, um, Gil Castillo. Who, not bad fighters by any means, but they weren't elite fighters. It's it's natural for any new weight class to have these sort of questionable opponents. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, man. Come on. Joe knew. Joe knew straight away he'd lost. It's a robbery. Hometown <laughs> decision. Top 10 hometown decisions. I still insist worst hometown decision I have ever seen is Fedor versus Maldonado. Yeah, yeah, that's like a, that's something you'd see in like a, a movie, <laughs> like, a, like a textbook, like robbery in like a Rocky movie or something. You see like Clubber Lang coming up in the ranks fighting in Detroit and he gets absolutely destroyed and they let the fight keep on going. I could see something like that happening in a movie, man. It's horrible. Nobody ever brings it up. People are always like, oh, I might have to watch that again. I watched that again. It's really bad. It's really bad. I watched it again like, just imagine, for the commentary. Imagine Brock Lesnar versus Shane Carwin times 20. <laughs> like, Fedor needed smelling salts yes. to, yeah, go, yeah. to get past the second round. Yeah. Yeah. Like, really? And uh, he didn't pull a Carwin. He didn't gas out. Maldonado kept on coming. Like, he did not gas out in that fight. I mean, he just we... kept on I mean... shit out of him. I mean, to his credit, I think you can argue that Fedor won the final two rounds. But yeah. that first round... That should have been over. It should have been over. <laughs> That's why I don't discuss the last rounds. Like, that is textbook, like, 
hometown referee. Like, that is horrible. And the sad thing is, there's a lot of people out there, you know, who are quite new fans of the sport. So when you tell yeah. them about this great legend, Fedor Emelianenko, the first thing they're going to find is to fight against Maldonado and just think, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. This is the great legendary fighter which you were raving on about? Yeah, really. I got a friend who uh, that place I'm moving into, he, he's getting into MMA. Like, I watched the uh, O'Malley card with him. He actually watched it, like, all the way through. And I'll probably show him, like, Fedor and stuff like that. But I, I'm definitely going to start with the early days. Definitely. He doesn't know about pride and stuff like that. So I'll show probably him. do that. You've got to show him the uh, Crow Cop fight. Yeah, yeah. I got to hype up Crow Cop, though, before I got to I gotta sort of create the narrative for him. <laughs> I might, be working back on, I might be working on a video on uh, Crow Cop um, in the next couple of months. So a little eye to keep, So you might want to keep an eye out for that one. That'll be perfect, brother. Not many people talk about him nowadays, really. Since he retired, it's sort of just been muddled. But then again, he is retired. He is old. He sort of needed it. Retired at the perfect time, to be honest. Yep, got that. Because you know what would what would have happened if he didn't retire? He would have fought Yuri. Well, That's but, what they were saying. I think he fought in Bellator, didn't he? I think. Corker yeah, he was, fought Roy Nelson. So I think Corker might have tried uh, doing something with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine that they would have set him up against like Bader or something? <laughs> that would. He'd be part of the heavyweight tournament. Yeah. They yeah. They would have put him against. Trying to think, he would have probably taken... Well, Rampage had star power, so you'd probably keep Rampage in there. I have to look this up yeah, now, like who... Like the Bellator Heavyweight Tournament. Because I'm trying to think who were the eight people who were part of it. It was uh, Mitrion, uh, King Mo, Vader, Chael Sonnen, <laughs> Frank Mir, and Fedor, I think. I'd probably say he would have taken... Um, probably would have taken... Um, um, King Mo's place. Yeah, yeah, because he actually beat King Mo a couple earlier, like years. Uh, I think it was like 2015's Rising Grand Prix. He actually beat him to win the win the whole Grand Prix. It was crazy. Yeah, I've got the that list. was like his biggest win since his retirement. I've got the list here. It was um, Rampage versus Chill, Fedor uh, and Frank Mir, uh, Bader and King Mo. Maybe he would have taken Matt Mitrion's place. Yeah, Matt Mitrion, that's another sad case recently. Yeah, I lost to Tim Johnson recently. Yeah, he's been looking horrible recently. Doesn't look like himself, man. Well, I think, I think the same way about Roy Nelson. I think Roy should really pack it in now. Yeah, yeah, Roy should be... He should be done. Like, you know, more often than not, you know, like, we criticise the UFC for... Um, they're just showing some of the contender series people here, some of the guys who got contracts. You know what? That show has been very, very successful. Much more successful than people um, realize. Well, season one, like, you look at this lineup here, holy shit. Like, all these episodes from the first season, every episode has, like, a top contender now. Like, I'm looking there, but like, you've got. Two, like... just something happened. I don't think season one was all that successful. It was season two was the big one that really. Oh, is this season two? This is season two. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I was about to say, where's O'Malley in that? Yeah, Sean O'Malley was season one, episode one. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was like the original poster boy for the show. Like I was thinking, you know, about doing a video looking at the greatest, looking at the best fighters from the Contender series, but then nearly, could... nearly all of them lost this year, so I have to wait a little bit. <laughs> so I've I've spun that, and we'll have sort of like an end of year video, which will sort of be a bit more negatively tinged, but along those same sort of lines. I won't try and give too much away. All right. Before this fight starts, I'm just gonna head to the bathroom real quick, and we'll get to go. I'll try and keep people occupied, so you have the joy of listening to me rambling on for another good three minutes until Clay gets back. Good luck, guys. Yeah. A little bit of background, <laughs> good luck, I just got that. Just looking through this card here, we, we got ourselves here, we've got about 14,000 people, we are in Stockholm as mentioned. Um, pulled in a gate of two million dollars and of course mentioned before Alexander Gustafsson headlines against Anthony Smith uh, Gustafsson coming off the loss against John Jones at UFC 232 Smith same situation at uh, UFC 235 and I remember running a poll for this one on the YouTube channel and nobody gave Anthony Smith a shot it was like 80% for Alexander Gustafsson to win this one uh, which is one of the highest um, so upsets that we've had in terms of the poll. I think the only one that was bigger, which surprisingly given what you know now, was when Kamaba Usman faced Tyron Woodley and Usman only had like about 16% of the vote and yet absolutely dominated that fighter. I thought Usman was just a wrestler and that he wasn't gonna have an answer for Tyron's power, but Tyron just is so unwilling to pull the trigger these days. And that's what Usman capitalised on it. it was a very dominant performance even if it wasn't the most exciting I've never been the biggest fan of Usman's fighting style but it is effective he gets the job done and he gets it done very convincingly I will say though my best friend Paul he doesn't really know all that much about the sport but what he does know one of the fights he just cannot stand is Kamara Usman simply because of the way he fights Yeah, the USC doesn't normally go to um, Stockholm or Sweden all that much. Um, I know they were at the Ericsson Arena in, I think, 2015. And they had about, I think they had about 20, 30,000 people. Because that was Gustafsson and Rumble. So, Gus does not have a lot of good moments when he's fighting at home. Yeah, it's sort of a hometown curse. Any other fighters got a hometown curse you can think of? Trying to think off the top of my head here. Um, I don't think anybody's done a video on that, like top 10 hometown curses or anything. MMA on, on point are going to be making that video now. You realize uh, that. <laughs> they're listening, listening. They probed my computer. I did find, <laughs> I did find it surprising that uh, Davin Till had only ever fought in the UK twice. Really? Okay. Like most of his fights were, at Brazil, were either in Brazil, because he's got a girlfriend over there. Or they were like the European shows. So Fight Night Liverpool was the first time he fought at home. And you could argue we lost that fight. That was a bit of a hometown decision. And then when he came back for uh, Fight Night London 2019, he came up against Masvidal. Okay. It's quite strange, but I guess it makes sense. His girlfriend's over there. Fuck it. 
getting money, go and see your girlfriend right after, after you knock some poor bloke out in Sao Paulo, that's perfect. I've always been fascinated by Till's <laughs> rise, you know, because it's just, he came into the UFC unbeaten, he got himself some decent performances against low-level guys, and then it was just like, all of a sudden, hey, let's just chuck him in against this legend, Cowboy. Just came yeah, from absolutely nowhere that just strapped themselves to the rocket with that level of immediacy. Yeah, and I remember when that was announced, a lot of people just didn't know who he was. <laughs> Myself included. Like, I'll, I'll definitely attest to that. It's just so random that they gave him that shot. That just shows you how what Cowboy's mindset was in that that stage. Maybe it was just a quick turnaround, I think. Was it, was it that? Was it just a quick turnaround for him? Well, I think it was struggling to find people to uh, headline Gdansk. Okay. Because there okay. weren't that many like European fighters who had a lot of momentum. So they thought, hey, we've got, we've got Cowboy. He's willing to fight anyone. Let's just take yeah. a chance on this young and beaten lad. That's probably exactly their mindset. <laughs> it'll give Cowboy some momentum and it'll shoot this guy in the stardom. So why not? Cowboy was like, you know what, brother, let's do it. Let's just do it. <laughs> He'll fight anyone. He's like, hell yeah. He's fighting Nico Price in a couple of weeks' time. Holy shit, you serious? <sighs> That's going to be a banger. That is going to be a hell of a fight. You're trolling. You're trolling. No, Donald Cerrone versus Nico Price. I think it's... I'm tempted to say it might be the 19th. It's either the 19th or UFC 253. Oh my, yeah, they agree. The 19th of September, oh my goodness. That entire card, if you've actually looked at that card, looks absolutely stacked. That's going to be when I'm moving out. <laughs> I'm going to be packing most of the time. Yeah, I've got the card here. So this is going to be... This is the Colby Tyron Woodley card, but here's some, oh, of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. here's some of the names on the undercard. Um, so you've got Donald Cerrone versus Nico Price, Johnny Walker versus Ryan Spann, Kevin Holland and Darren Stewart. Um, I Hell yeah. I think Mackenzie Dern might be on there as well. I'm not entirely sure. Marion Renault versus Ketlin Vieira, so Ketlin's going to be back in action, so that would be a great grappling match. Mickey Gall's just been put on that card to, earlier today. He's fighting uh, Miguel Baeza. All right. We'll have to see, brother. I'm pumped for that Woodley fight if that actually happens. I would have oh. been in March. <laughs> I, think Woodley yeah. I think Woodley versus Colby because of all the bad blood between them two. Colby coming off a, a, like a competitive loss. Tyron ready to make his quick comeback. But after seeing Tyron against Gilbert Burns, I, I don't think he's got the hunger anymore. I would have liked to see that back in 2019. Yes. <laughs> that would have been a perfect fight back then, but that's when Colby was in full diva form. Well, he's been back at it um, over the past seven days, hasn't he? Yeah, well, somebody decided to finally sign the contract. Because apparently it's happening. It's I'll believe it when I see it. It's very... When you actually work out Colby's sort of media persona, it's very predictable. <laughs> and I mean, I you don't... You love Colby, don't you? You're his biggest fan. What I've always said about Colby is... <laughs> I think 
I give him a lot of credit for embracing the media side of the sport and realizing, hey, I'm this sort of this sort of quite passive lay and pray fighter. I'm not going to be attracting a lot of fans just being myself. So by playing this heel character, he has increased his he has increased awareness of him tenfold. But I oh, don't yeah. like the way that he's actually done it. I think that character that he's Staking chosen it and he's cranked it to eleven. <laughs> yes. Compare that, I mean, compare Colby and compare Colby's character, his media persona, and compare it to what Henry Cejudo did. Cejudo did it the right way. It's very tongue-in-cheek. It's quite light-hearted. And I think people look at the whole Triple C intergender champion stuff as a little bit of a joke. It's funny. With Colby, because of the subjects he, he chooses to bring up, it's just a bit too on the nose. And I think that's the issue a lot of people have. Yeah, really. He's taking it to such an extreme level. Some of the shit he said, though, it's horrible. Awful. Oh, my God. I'd never say anything like that. You'd never catch me saying anything like that. The Matt Hughes one, that's That's, that's, that's the, the one I was going to bring up. But Matt Hughes was okay with it. Yeah, I think maybe they train together or something like that. Or they're at the same gym or something like that. It's something along the lines like that. So I think that's why he said that. But still, man, fuck. <laughs> Holy shit. We're just about ready to go for our second fight here. So we've got Christoph Giagos, and he's taking on Demir Hadzovic, who is a uh, fight out of Copenhagen, so he's got a bit of a Scandinavian connection there. Uh, but he was originally born in Bosnia. Okay. Okay. They will contrive these reasons to try and get local fighters in inverted commas on the card. Yeah, they will. All right. Here we go, brother. Ready to go for this one. We have 457, 456, 5, 4, 3. And here we go. Hadzovic is the slight favourite for this one. I think you can get Giagos at the bottom, plus 220. Don't know why I bring up the odds. People can't put bets on it. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to put a bet on that fight that happened a year and a half ago. I just realised this whole thing is three hours so we might have to skip around past the promos and stuff yes <laughs> that's i think that's counting the promos and all the breaks and stuff yeah i mean <laughs> i enjoy doing this I but i couldn't stay for three hours <laughs> i'm not joe rogan i don't i don't have that much patience it was actually live sure <laughs> take down attempt from the Giagos. intercepted I think this. Am I right in saying this is the last week of Joe's um, show being on YouTube? I think he goes Spotify only uh, yeah. next week. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's going to be only Spotify. It makes you wonder if there's going to be video though. Like, I think he said that there's still going to be on YouTube though. He said that there's going to be clips. The clips like, are both staying on YouTube, but the actual full show. That hurts me. Know. That hurts me though, like, because uh, I'm working from yeah. home right now. So I need okay. all the podcasts that I can to listen to while I'm working. And normally I just listen to some sort of random scientist or um, Eddie Bravo going on about these conspiracy theories. That would be like a good three hours to get me through the day. So that's gone now. Trying to think of something that you could listen to. Listen to some, uh, just some Joey Diaz. There you go. He's got a podcast, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
let's be honest, everybody's got a podcast these days. What's happening now? How's this been- podcast is proper funny, though. A lot of the times he brings in uh, big-name actors that don't really dabble into the stuff that he talks about, and it's so funny to see their reactions. It's just like, I remember he brought in all, oh, who's that one guy from Community? Let me look that guy up. Hold on. Donald Glover? <laughs> That'd be sick. Uh, Joe McHale? Joe McHale. I love Joe McHale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He brought him in, and he was talking about like how he used to smoke in like a airplane bathroom and stuff like that and back in the 80s and stuff like that. It's just so funny when he brings in actors like that and never even talk about that type of stuff. <laughs> I recently got my friend in the community. Okay, I barely even watch it, to be honest. I'm more of an office guy. I, I don't know, community? Wasn't, I don't know, I like the sort of the meta of the office. That's something that gravitates to me. I'm more interested in that aspect than Com- more of like the, the jokes. <laughs> community is very meta. Like they'll have, okay. like, like nearly every episode is a themed episode. So like to do one which is supposed to be like a, like a so like a uh, law and order style crime drama. They do one which is stop motion. They do one which is a, um, a rip of G.I. Joe. Yeah, I've seen some episodes. Not a complete noob on it. It's just I've never watched like a full season. I think I watched about every episode twice. You ever watch uh, It's Sunny in Philadelphia? <laughs> That's one I haven't got into yet. I'm the sort of Man, person who likes to wait until um, until a series sort of comes to the end before I start getting into it. So I can actually judge well, for myself. Well, that show is never going to end. <laughs> they literally said that they're, they're, they said that they'll keep on doing it until they're dead. <laughs> they literally said that. The actors, they've Did... signed on for like 10 more seasons and they're already on like season like 12. <laughs> the only clip I, I've seen, because I included this in one of my videos, was this one where they're talking about um, what a power bottom is. Because <laughs> I did a vi- yeah. I did a video of on like fashion fails and included a section on Reebok, and Reebok uh, describing Rafael dos Anjos described him as a power bottom. I'm pretty sure they had a UFC episode. Oh yeah, Cowboy was in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gotta watch that. I'm pretty sure they go to an actual weigh-in. Like they they're selling like badger milk. I'm pretty sure or something like that. And they, they go to an actual weigh-in and try and uh, get Cowboy to shout out this certain, like, milk that they're selling. <laughs> and Dana does not like it. He said it's not Reebok. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's something like that. <laughs> well, I came back to haunt him. Yeah. Will he, dub yeah. Him over, will he dub him over afterwards when, like, the Venom deal comes in? <laughs> yeah, that's true. They're going to have to. The weirdest... If they put it on some like streaming service, they're gonna redub it. <laughs> the weirdest MMA crossover episode I've ever seen was I think can you remember the Nickelodeon sitcom iCarly? Yeah. iCarly yeah. did an MMA episode. Yeah, I've seen that. A lot of people post <laughs> a lot of the time on Twitter. People people tweet that for fighters and ask them what they think of that fight. <laughs> I've never watched that whole episode, but I've seen that clip so many times. I'm pretty sure I tweeted that out. I said, like, this should be uh, Henry Cejudo's next t- title challenger <laughs> when he was talking about the intergender stuff. But I'm sure Dana just watched that episode, you know, because um, I think in November they've got uh, Corey McKenna and Kay Hansen. 
and they're like what 20 years old each so i'm sure dan had just watched that episode and thought yeah high school girls fighting in the ufc let's do that perfect yeah all right you want to do a time stamp we will do which is starting the second round i would say giagos won the uh, first round uh not very eventful based on the fact that we're completely ignoring it 451-450-48-47 Giagos coming out swinging though, lands a big knee. I, I love these big, he rocked him, he rocked him there. You can tell that Giagos has a wrestling background because a lot of these uppercuts are very sort of big bus driver, like overhands. Mm-hmm, definit
that he can just come over the top and drop you. Like, like mm. how much of Khabib dropping McGregor was down to McGregor being so worried about shooting for the takedown? It was pretty much 95% of the fight. That's pretty much 99% of the time what happens with Khabib's opponents. The only one that I've seen that didn't really fight like that was Ally Quinta. And, and uh, Ray Janal is a decent wrestler himself. Like, not to Khabib's yeah, yeah. level by any means, but a lot of people are using that fight to try and give Justin a chance. Because they're thinking, yeah. hey, if Al, who was a fairly regional level wrestler, was able to cause some problems for Khabib, what's a Division One champion like Justin, who has the knockout threat as well, going to be able to do? I think maybe it's just because of it's a guy who had nothing to lose, exactly. really. He went in there and he had absolutely nothing to lose, so he just fought without a care in the world. And it actually worked in his favor. And he won. And he got a, <laughs> he got a lot of... I, I did like Al at the um, when he announced the result. Because he was like, yeah. pointing into his son, like, me? Me? Did I win? Uh. <laughs> No, I give him all the credit in the world, you know, because he saved that card. I always wonder yeah. what would have happened if Al said, you know what, stuff it, I'm not going to fight Khabib. I think, uh, weren't they going to give it to Paul Felder at one point? Oh, no, he was unranked or something. Fel Felder was the first choice. It was going to be Pettis. Pettis wanted too much money. Then they were going to give it to Felder, but Felder was unranked. And then they gave it to Al because he was the last one remaining. I think they probably would have gave it to Pettis. They would have gave him the money. <laughs> Honestly. That would not have worked well for Pettis. That would, that's a stylistic nightmare for Pettis. Yeah, that would have been extremely quick. <laughs> but yeah, maybe in an alternate universe we're talking about that right now. Pettis did really well in that fight. <laughs> <laughs> It's strange that, like, for such a one-sided loss, Al got so much leverage from that fight. Definitely. Like, he, he got the Kevin Lee fight, which he won, and then he was fighting, like, Cowboy, Dan Hooker. Yeah, he was sort of out of that journeyman stage, because he brought a lot of eyes to him. He's one of the funniest guys to follow on Twitter as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I, I think he said something like before one of these fights, he said, bet the house on me. That way, if you lose, <laughs> I can sell you a new one. That's perfect mentality. Did On Point ever do that uh, Top 10 Houses Sold by Ally Aquinta video? They said that they tried something like that, and I, and it didn't work out. So what I'm thinking is they, they actually wanted to fly to the houses and fuck it. <laughs> That's what I think, because knowing them, like, just what I've heard behind the scenes, they got a lot of money over there. So I think they were going to try and do something like that. <laughs> it's amazing. But it didn't really work out. So I, I think they tried it, but nobody could, like, coordinate that. <laughs> it's amazing, you know, that for, like, a small YouTube channel to grow into the way it is, I do give them a lot of credit in the world. And I mean, people like to try and paint it out as if I have some sort of vendetta against on point and that me and Jason don't get on with each other. That's as far from the truth as you can get. Jason's 
a great lad, we've spoken to him a couple of times on social media. He's very supportive of my channel and vice versa. We make a couple of jokes here and there at each other, but that's part of the game. <laughs> All right, we're at 317, 316, 315. This is a fairly comfortable Diago's fight so far. It's almost over. Mercifully. Thankfully, though, if what I remember from this card, it gets a lot better after this. Yeah. What you simply got here is you got a guy who is not comfortable with grappling. Like, Hadzovic mm -hmm. is on... On the whole, a stand-up guy. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. This is just a, just a clinch war, man. There's nothing really to commentate. <laughs> it's this is where you this is where people like Dan Hardy and Paul Felder really earn their paychecks, because they can make stuff like this and they can explain all the intricacies about the clinch situation. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I unfortunately don't have enough understanding of this side of the sport, the technical side. Because, I mean, I'm British, we have no wrestling in our country. Just take a shot, man, go ahead. Pretend that I'm paying you for this, go ahead. <laughs> well, we just separated here. And you, <laughs> and you can see that Hadzovic is trying to be a lot more aggressive here, trying to throw a knee, big right hand, Giagos goes for the shot. He's looking tired right now, though. Hadzovic jumps into the guard. I think the jiu-jitsu side of things I'm maybe a bit more comfortable with. But like with, for me, with wrestling, I understand the whole idea of trying to get under the, under the bum to try and lift them up. But outside of that, I'm not, I'm not an expert by any means. Yeah, I'm not an expert. I'm an editor. <laughs> That's all I can say. I'm just a guy. <laughs> when people try and tune in for something crazy and shit, I'm just a guy. I'll tell you some cool shit in Premiere. And my favorite fighters. Who are your favorite fighters? Probably TJ. But TJ is probably number one. Dillashaw. Yeah, because uh, he's the reason why I got into it, to be honest. When I watched his uh, Head and Burrell fight, the second one. That first fight, UFC 173. That, to me, is as flawless a performance as you can give. Like, for five rounds, he just dominated mm -hmm. that fight. The movement, the, the level of striking. And to do that to a guy like Baral, who was so highly regarded. I think Baral was, like, the number well, two. That's told me on it, because my brother was telling me about that, and the promos were showing all the what was happening in the first fight. You know, they showed, like, the countdown show, and, like, Ron Perlman hyping up the fight and everything. And that's what that's what got me into it. I believe like Rocky Balboa stuff could happen. <laughs> I didn't so realize there was that big of upsets in MMA. I thought it was only boxing, but nobody was talking about TJ Dillashaw and mainstream media. That's what blew me away. They weren't, and I think that's one of the that's one of the sad things about mixed martial arts is that I think on the whole, I think the knowledge of boxing, like prominent top level boxers. Um, it's a lot higher than it is with mixed martial arts. Like in this country, especially the UK, you've only really got like Conor McGregor and it was like Ronda before then as well. But you haven't got a lot of big mainstream stars. Like John Jones is nobody in the UK. Just skipping a decision. Yeah, I think it was fairly comprehensive who won that one. Judges scored a contest. 
Bruce Buffer must have the best job in the world, you know. Because, I mean, the guy he flies around the world and he talks for a living. He just made $5,000 just right there. Got Dan Hardy in now, giving him an interview. That's a proper headset, mate. Yeah, Dan Hardy's a guy who really grew into the broadcasting world as well. Because, I mean, if you look at those videos of Dan Hardy when he was actually fighting and he had, like, this bright red mohawk and you're thinking, really? <laughs> this guy's going to be, like, a beloved broadcaster? No, he, he matured big time after that. Is he still wanting to come back? Yeah. I think they should do a, a Rumble rematch. No. <laughs> no. Please, no. <laughs> How the hell Rumble got down to 170, I never know. <laughs> I don't think he'd ever go back. He's, he can't. I don't think he feels like he can. I'm surprised, he's, fucking huge. I'm surprised he's trying to get back, back down to 205. Yeah, really. Like he's him? Uh, kill himself to get down there. I'm always amazed by those guys who start off at heavyweight and then go down the weight classes because the one that sticks in my mind was, I think it was James Irvin. Because he yeah. was a heavyweight and yeah. he cut down to middleweight. <laughs> and that's one of the that's one of the worst weight cuts I've seen in terms of the, how the guy looked on the scale. Yeah. You don't really see that anymore. Other than Jerry Cannonier and I guess Whitaker. And Cannonier has been very, very successful since he went down. But Cannonier is shredded. He is, he's done it the right way. Yeah, because I think when Cannoneer was heavyweight, he was more out of shape than he was like, yes. uh, you know, muscle. Like he didn't really look like a, like a title holder in that division. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean, but like, his physique wasn't really like um, top elite. <laughs> but when you look at him now, he looks like a, looks really healthy. Like that looks like a healthy guy. What is this? What's cowboy? So I think this might have just been them announcing uh, Cowboy versus uh, Tony Ferguson. I think that was just announced because um, that was a very Is late addition to the card. Yeah, there's El Kikumi oh, now. My. He's coming back, the rematch. I was, I was very surprised when that fight happened, you know, because I was thinking, hey, he just needs to wait here. If he just sits and waits, they'll do that Khabib fight eventually. But Ferguson just like, hey, you know what? I just want to fight. And Cowboys are always game as they come. So adding that to UFC 238. And there was a lot of oh, people saying, oh, stuff Chepchenko versus I. This should be the core main. Which, yeah, <sighs> they're right. Look at that. Justin Gagey, number five. I mean, look at that top five in general, that top six. Khabib, Dustin... Ferguson, Connor, Cowboy, Gagey. Like, Cowboy's gone now. Yeah, like replace Cowboy with Dan Hooker, and that's pretty much the same as it is now. Yeah. Connor. You excited for Connor coming back? I want him to come back. I mean, no. say what you want about Connor McGregor, the person. I'm not a big fan. Uh, fantastic fighter. Very good for the sport. I think the amount of casualized that he brings in and the amount of new fans, because 
I'll hold my hands up. I my first show, the first UFC event I watched was a Conor McGregor pay per view, UFC one ninety six. So I sort of thank him for getting me interested in the sport, and I'm sure there's a lot of people like that, just few casual eyes. And have a look how good that card was there. So who doing Marias Shevchenko versus like Shevchenko title defense? I'm not going to say Jessica Rye was good. Um, then you got Cowboy and Tony Ferguson. Piotr Jan and Jimmy Rivera, which is a very underrated fight. And then Blagoy Ivanov and Taito Avasa, which was entertaining in sort of a low-level heavyweight brawl way. <laughs> yeah, it was an amazing card. I loved it. I love it. It's one of my most underrated cards because the, the prelims were stacked as well. Yeah. Like you had Tatiana Suarez on there, um, Aljamain Sterling... I think Angela Hill and Jan Shaunan, which was a very underrated fight as well. Angela Hill is fighting uh, Watterson, I think. She is. Uh, did you see the beef between the two on social media? Isn't it because Watterson like likes Trump or something? <laughs> I think that's how the uh, I think that's how the um, social media interpreted it. I think that was more of Michelle just being a suck up rather than being pro Trump. But Angela did not take to her well. <laughs> She's so gay. I like Angela. I love Angela. She's one to add. She's one to add to the boys' stable, isn't she? Mm-hmm. There you go. That's a perfect fighter to add to that. Perfect fighter. She's always game. The female Cerrone. I think somebody called her cowgirl. <laughs> I think somebody said Angela. You should change your nickname to cowgirl. Oh my! Almost broke his leg. Somebody nearly did that in the Contender series. <laughs> did, did, did a somersault coming into the ring and like proper landed badly on their ankle oh, so they had to delay the fight a little bit just to make sure it was okay <laughs> I gotta go back and watch that was that recent like uh, yeah week? just uh, just this week man I gotta stop slacking man <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely make the next one that's one All good right, thing to come out go. of lockdown because normally I don't have the time to watch the contender series but because I'm at home and obviously I'm working at home and I don't need to like, pay for streaming all that sort of thing. I can um, I can just watch the Contender series. While here we go. We got Connor here. We do. Chris Fishgold here. He's taking on Makwan Amiakani. So we've got another Scandinavian connection here. No, I was saying it looks like Connor McGregor, dude. Look at this. Oh, the tattoo. You ever seen that on Twitter? People always point that out. <laughs> People are like... <laughs> Mom, can we watch Nate Diaz versus Connor? We got that at home, and it oh, shows I love it. that like... <laughs> I remember that the one that sticks in my mind was um, before Whaley was about to fight Ioana, and he said we got Whaley versus Ioana at home, and it was Carolina and Jan. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Mark Goddard's a referee for this one. Chris Fishgold is taking on Makwan Amiakani. So those two big rival nations, England and Finland. All right, here we go. 453, 452, 451. We've had to skip forward a little bit because we can't stay here for three hours. We enjoy doing this, but we would get sick of each other if we had to talk to each other for three hours. <laughs> I still gotta edit two entries today, so I gotta do that. 
Yeah, I'm close to getting one of my next uh, edits uh, done. Um, just gotta, just gotta do the audio. Just checking everything looks and sounds okay. I think the next video I'm gonna upload, if things go well in terms of, like reach and CTR, all that sort of stuff, which I'm not getting into when it comes to YouTube. Um, but if all that goes well, I've got yeah, one video. Ipoke. We'll get a replay for this. My daughter is not happy. You can probably no, turn he's, been, he's been poked in the eye. He's been poked in the eye there. Bullshit, bullshit. They're chanting bullshit. I don't know where I stand on Goddard as a ref. I think he's very good at his job. But... You robbed Colby Covington, dude. <laughs> you listened to that episode of the MMA Hour. <laughs> Top 10 referee mistakes. Colby versus Usman. Number one. Is that coming to MMA on point? No, they probably already... They probably already do that. <laughs> That's the one thing, you know, you put out so much content, you eventually start running out of oh, ideas. I mean, yeah. the sport's, what, 20, 26 years old. You're going to run out of stories eventually. Yeah, every single video I've worked on, there's always one entry that I've covered before. At least one. <laughs> Like, in terms of, like, a fighter that I've already edited before. <laughs> I can't tell you the amount of times I've used that video of Connor throwing the dolly at the bus. <laughs> that appears in pretty much every video that I do. Alright, here we go, here we go, here we go. Crowd is really getting into this one. You're quite rightly so. I mean, you've got two sort of wild brawling types here. Like, the thing with Fishgold is, Fishgold was very good on the regional circuit. <laughs> Fishgold a lot because uh, he's an he's from England and this is uh it's Stockholm isn't it? Yeah, this is Stockholm, yeah. So yeah. you got you got Finland versus England, so it's 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 not as far away as would say from America. So you, it makes sense for Fishgold to be fighting on these kind of cards. Very aggressive, if at times a bit careless. I don't think he has the best conditioning, and of course, being British, doesn't know how to fight on the ground. <laughs> Why does he say that? You guys have got some wild wrestlers. No, honestly, the British just—the British just don't have a ground game. Like you got Brett Johns and Paul Craig when it comes to sort of uh, top like jujitsu guys. Yeah, well, the stereotypical brawler. A lot of people just say an English guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Even back in the old day, when somebody would talk about a brawler, they'd say, "Oh, some drunken British guy just swinging at a pub or something." Like. <laughs> And it's rightly so. Well, that's how Ian Freeman got his start. Like, Ian Freeman was the first guy to fight, uh, first British fighter to fight in the UFC. And he was a bouncer. <laughs> so his job was actually fighting in pubs. Perfect. Exactly my point. Oh, man. That was perfect level change. Trying to go for the crowd is going crazy right now. He's an enjoyable fighter, um, Amir Khani. I do. Yeah, you ever see that video of him eating an apple? It has like one million views. Just a video of him eating an apple. <laughs> Which is evidence that anything can become popular on YouTube. Yeah. Kept on posting them. They have like over like 500,000 views. Oh, man. 
This is a huge scramble. You got a reverse triangle, it. reverse triangle attempt there. Oh man! And he's trying to hook a leg. And he's on the leg. Land some ground account. That's the problem with leg leg submissions. You leave yourself so open to. Um... Yeah, what are you talking about? He's doing pretty good on the ground here. It is. It's this is surprising me. Like here's the thing, you know. Can you help me out in the here? Like we always talk about like great grapplers having a stand-up brawl because they're too scared to go to the ground. Have we ever had a situation where two strikers, two great strikers, have a wrestling match because they're too scared to stand with one another? Um, <laughs> uh, what do you think of when you think of that? Well, I hate to say this, I think of Heather Hardy versus Anna Huberton, which is one of the worst fights I've ever watched. Why, why would you ever bring that fight up? I can't even remember that fight. I know it happened. I've seen it. I included <laughs> it on my um, worst MMA fights of 2018 video. Okay. That's probably where I've seen it. No, but I, I'm pretty sure I watched that pay-per-view. I'm pretty sure that was an important pay-per-view. It's a, it's a funny one to watch because, like, Chill's doing the commentary. And at the start <laughs> of the video, he sort of, like, says, like, we never want to big up a fight too much. But oh, this could be man. fun. That was close. Very close. And, then, and then by the end of the fight, once he realizes it's a dud, he's just like, we just got to be honest, this isn't a good fight, but we're just going to call it as it is. Because <laughs> it's the most sloppy jujitsu match that you can come across. It's awful. What do you think of uh, Valerie, Valerie Lareda's performance in her last, last outing? What do you think of that? First round was fairly nondescript, but I did like the knockout. I don't think that she's going to be like this big superstar who's going to be like beating Alina McFarlane anytime soon. But. Come on, man. What makes you say that? Alina's <laughs> good. Alina is very, very good. I know. I know. <laughs> That's why I feel like if they set that up, that could be bad. I think Alina could beat Jennifer Meyer. I, I think she's that good. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Alina's in top form. She looks unbeatable. I'm trying to think who she... I can see her fighting the Carmouche Deanna Bennett winner. Because that that, that's, that's going to be in September. Mind you, though, like I usually defend Bellator um, in terms of like their... Their booking, because I know they don't have the resources in the way they say the UFC do. But whose idea was it to put John Fitch and Deanna Bennett on the same card? Oh. <laughs> Man, I'm surprised. Is John Fitch even still fighting for them now? Yeah. Um, trying to think who his uh, next opponent is. I like this Paul Daly fight. <laughs> well, not really because it's entertaining. It's just Daly... <laughs> Like, <laughs> complaining to the camera saying, this, this is, is all bullshit. so fucking boring. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Just a fighter just fighting with their mouth instead of their, <laughs> instead of their skills. <laughs> That'd be a good video right there. When fighters use their mouth instead of their body to fight. Something along the lines of like that. Well, people that, would be expecting work. biting videos, like people being bit and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
when well, you use words instead of fists. How about that? Somewhere yes, I can see that. that, actually. I can see that. When fighters use words instead of fists. That could be perfect, man. Fishbowl's putting a lot of pressure that. Just for a good uppercut to the body. Tell you what, you can tell the fish gold's English as well, because that is that is pale. <laughs> I pretty much look like that, so pretty much on course. I guess it makes sense because uh pretty sure my grandparents are like my great grandparents are from Britain or something like that. From England, so makes sense. Makes sense. We're pretty much related, Carl. You know what? I was just looking at uh, Fitch's uh, MMA record here. The guy has... I'm trying to look at one, two, three, four. He's only lost one out of his past ten fights. Oh, my. That was huge. I could hear that, dude. That was a bad low blow. You could probably turn up the audio here. I'm not going to take that chance, to be honest. Just seeing the replay. Oh, right in the jewels. The worst, one, like, the worst, one, I saw, yeah, the worst one I saw was Struve. Struve against Ben yeah. Rothwell. Yeah. <laughs> That's just the most unfortunate fight I've seen in, in the UFC. That's just... <laughs> well, the crowd, did, so the crowd didn't about. help either. Yeah. Because every time that Struve was down, they were booing, and when he got back to his feet, yay! And then went back down, <laughs> That was so funny, man. And Struve was winning the fight. People forget that. Yeah, yeah. I definitely got to show that <laughs> to my friends. That's definitely a funny fight to show your casual, casual people. How do you think Struve feels, cons like, seeing what Steep has done now? I think he could beat him. Because, like, Steep has, Steep has avenged all his losses except Struve. So he's sort of like, he's sort of like the Joe Duffy. <laughs> to sort of Steep yeah. McGregor. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. But I could see them setting that up. Maybe, like, Anderson Silva's the division? Like, I don't know. Like, like, pull, like an Okami or something? Like, I'm trying <laughs> to think. I'm trying to think. John Jones, Francis Ngannou, or Stefan Struve? Mm. <laughs> I'm going to go with Stefan on that. I would like to see fighters if they can try and avenge some of their previous losses. Because there are still going to be fans out there who will bring those up. People mm. will still bring up Joe Duffy versus McGregor, Struve versus Stipe, uh, Zingano Davis, uh, Delelio versus Nunes. They're going to bring yeah, up those sort of fights. Bellator fight debut crossover with uh, Zingano and Nunes. That'd be pretty sick. Cat's uh, actually going to be fighting on the uh, fishbowl oh, going through guillotine, guillotine here, yeah. and that's tight. That is tight. He's trying to hook the legs, give him no chance to maneuver. See. Amirkani squeezes oh, out of it. Man. Ah, he's tapping. now he's in trouble. Now he's in trouble. Is this a Von Flew? Was he trying to go for a Von Flew there? Yeah, I think so. 
See, that's the problems with those um, pulling guard on the guillotine like that. You leave yourself so vulnerable if you don't get it straight away. Like, Dustin, for me, has one of the best counter guillotines. Yeah, he almost submitted Khabib. I thought he, I thought he was going to. Yeah, yeah. Now he's got him. Oh man! Oh, I remember this fight. Oh man, this is a reverse. He reversed it. No, man, no. he danced around the octagon. Oh, I definitely do remember this fight because Fishgold does everything that he can here to try and get out of it. He's because he's trying to turn to relieve the pressure, but Amir Khan he straightens up oh, and there's man. a tap. That was beautifully done. Crowd is going fucking bananas. Finland's one of those places I'd love to go to, you know? Oh, yeah. I've heard yeah. it's a very beautiful place. Like, in general, all of Scandinavia, and like Norway and Finland especially. And Finland has a great heavy metal scene. Okay. Um, I remember my father, he went there for a business trip back in the 90s. And, like, he didn't have, like, a universal razor. And he came back and he freaked out the whole family. <laughs> How big his beard was. It was it was huge beard, huge beard. Like I bring up the heavy metal stuff with Finland because over here we have something called the Eurovision Song Contest. Okay. So basically, what they have is they have loads of different uh, nations. Like they all send a song in and they perform it like a big show, and then the winner of it gets the horse of the year after. Now most of the time it's very cheesy pop. It's very theatrical and over the top. And yet one year, Finland won it because they sent Lordi, who are like a proper heavy metal hard rock band, all done up in like monster gear. Nice. So you got like cheery bubblegum pop on one end and hard rock hallelujah on the other. <laughs> that sounds freaking awesome, dude. <laughs> it is. Honestly, the Eurovision Song Contest won the funniest nights of television of the year. I think they did a Netflix film about it, Will Ferrell. Wow. Good win for Amir Khani as well. Competitive fight. I'd probably say he was winning. He won the first round. But Fishgold causing yeah. problems. There's just so many times, you know, with uh, Chris Fishgold that he looks good in his fights. He looks good. He has moments, but he just does not have the all-round game to be the man. Mm -hmm. If you need a guy to put on an entertaining fight on a European fight night... He's one of your go-to people. But he'll never be a champion. Oh, that's so harsh. <laughs> I, I've been proven wrong. I've been proven wrong on many occasions. So uh, ignore what I say, but based on what I've seen. And fighters improve. Fighters get better. Fighters change over time. I don't think anyone thought Dustin Poirier would reach the levels he did when he lost to Michael Johnson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell you what, there's a guy who's worth doing a video on, Michael Johnson. Like, how can how can somebody how can somebody have such big wins against so many top lightweights, and yet for most of his career be a journeyman? Yeah, it's quite bizarre, actually. <laughs> I just feel like he's always been. Uh... He always makes huge mistakes. He always leaves himself really like wide open for a huge shot. Because I was thinking like... like, like Lobov, fight. Lobov was putting the fight to him. 
Lobob did well because I was short notice as well. Yeah, he's always game. That guy's incredible. Like you a fan of Lobob? I love his heart. I think he's got a lot of heart. I don't think the guy is a great fighter. Um, oh, come on, man. <laughs> don't say something like that. That's one of those internet jokes I've never really got my head around. It's not a joke. Like the whole Lobov is the goat thing. It's just like, ha ha, he, was he so loses. good that he had to go to bare knuckle and win there. He beat Paulie Malinacci in bare knuckle. Exactly. He's the best boxer in MMA. <laughs> I love Paulie's face when they read the announcement. Like uh, the best MMA to a boxing crossover fight. He beat like probably the top guy. <laughs> Can you name any other MMA fighter who beat someone that good in boxing? Um, Clay Collard. Clay Collard's dominating so many people in boxing right now. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because they have like they went for the space. <laughs> oh, I don't I don't follow bare knuckle I'm afraid <laughs> I think that's coming up soon we gotta do that brother $200 and we do a live watch of that deal okay that's way too much <laughs> no you can pay 200 if you want we'll happily have $200 between us All right, brother, you can talk to them. I'm just going to grab some water for the last two fights. We do. One of those and is going to be yeah. very, very short. I have to warn people. So you get yourself refreshed, Claire. We will continue talking about what's been happening on the show. Good performance there from Makwan Amirkani. Um, as mentioned before, I think Chris, Chris Fishgold is a very game fighter. He does have some skills. Do I think he's UFC level? Maybe not so much, but again... Guy you want on the European cards for a quick entertaining fight, you can't you can't do wrong in my opinion. I think on the whole the European scene has grown a lot over the past couple of years. I think that it was always primarily a Brazilian sport and an American sport, but I think the Europeans have really started to embrace mixed martial arts. Uh, we just seen a promo there for Shevchenko versus Jessica Rai. I have to say one of the we do preview show on the YouTube channel every month for upcoming pay-per-views and like as part of the fights we always like to try and big up like the positives of one fighter, the negatives, so forth and so forth. And one of those we had to do for UFC 238 was Shevchenko versus Jessica Rai. And that to me is one of the hardest jobs that I have had to do was to try and sell Jessica Rai as a realistic threat to Valentina Shevchenko. Like we mentioned before, that she had a good record of flyweight, that um, she'd really started to embrace wrestling over the past couple of fights. But it was hard going. It was hard going. I didn't believe it myself. And as we saw, Shevchenko just absolutely dominated that fight. I think Jessica Rai does get a lot of unnecessary hate. I think I mean there's some people out there who are so venomous about her online. And I'm not gonna sit here and say that she's a great fighter, she does get a lot more opportunities than what she deserves. But if you listen to the way some people talk about Jessica Rye, it's not justified given what she's actually doing. 
I think the best way to look at Jessica Rye is sort of like a comedy heel, sort of like in WWE. She's over the top, she thinks she's the bee's knees, but she's going to do something stupid to make people sort of like laugh at her. So like, haha, what did Jessica Rye do this time? That's the way you should, you should treat her in my opinion. She's sort of like, she's sort of like MMA Santino Morella. I will say I'm enjoying some of these um, some of these adverts that they've got running for this fight because they're trying to find any single kind of positive moment that Jessica I had in these sort of like really close low level brawls. Oh, she landed a decent shot against Leslie Smith. We're going to put that in there, and maybe a takedown against um, Kalindra Faria. No, I think I think selling. We've done this before. We've done a couple of these preview shows before, Claire. Selling a fight is one of the hardest things that you can do on those preview shows. And I believe Claire hasn't come back, so that sort of ruined up that uh, tee off there. So we've got the previews there of what's coming up there. So Hudo vs. Marias, you've got the Contender Series. Hinato Moyakano vs. the Korean Zombie. Everybody thought that the zombie was going to win that one. I was more pro Moyakano personally, but credit where it's due. Um, Moyaka, uh, zombie destroyed Moyakano in that fight. Moyakano obviously went uh, up to lightweight. And the zombie, in my opinion, should be fighting for the featherweight title next. I don't know. I don't know why the UFC is so insistent on trying to run this Max Holloway Volkanovski fight back again. I enjoyed the first two fights, but to me that chapter is done. In my opinion, the division should move on. I would personally go for the Zombie versus Volkanovski next. Um, I would definitely do Calvin Cater versus Max Holloway. I think that could be a hell of a fight. Isn't Korean Zombie fighting Ortega? He's fighting Brian Ortega next. Hell yeah. I think that one's going to be on Fight Island, because I know they're going back to Fight Island. Yeah. Yeah, they said that they're going back. Here we go, Jimmy Manua. He's coming back as well. He's been saying he's been coming back for a long time. He deserves to. You think he should come back? No. Jimmy, in my opinion, has just taken far too many big hits over his past couple of fights. He doesn't have the chin anymore. Yeah, I think it's uh, sort of a, a Chuck situation that's going on, sort of. Not really, like, his... How old is he? Oh, Jimmy Manuel is in his 40s now. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah. He, he got into the sport very, very late. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which was so, sort yeah, of... In one, way, in one way, it was a good thing. Because... If Jimmy had debuted in sort of like his early 20s... He would have been in the UFC around sort of 2010, 2011. And he would have been facing the absolute killers at light heavyweight. He would have been facing... Yeah. Like the John Joneses, the Rampages, the Machidas, the Shoguns. So I think waiting a little bit until he was sort of UFC ready, he missed that real sort of killer's role. So by the time he actually did get there, he was sort of like the number two, number three seed by default. There was a lot of people saying that, hey, if John Jones can't get cleared to fight a UFC 214, Jimmy was going to be fighting DC for the title. We're just skipping forward to the fight now. We have got our tail of the tape. Jimmy Manuel there, 39 years old. And the guy who's fighting tonight, Alexander Rakic, 27. Here we go. 
the co-main event, event of the evening. Man, we gotta do this live. We've got to. Maybe, uh, maybe a one championship, maybe something like that. Well, I'll, I'll be at work when the one championship cards are on. Oh, shit. That being said, though, our commentary... Our co I would love to do Fight Circus. I've always it's said, a, I've always said, if we've got ourselves like a weaker main event that we can't really link, um, I want to do Fight Circus. <laughs> like instead, it's, that's something you haven't watched, so I want to see your reactions to some of the knockouts and stuff. It'd be funny because they put it on YouTube. Like instead of, um, like instead of like watching like an old Holly Holm card, we'll watch Fight Circus instead. <laughs> How about we record that, like, next week or something, and then we just upload it whenever we need to. Just keep that as, like, an archive, you know? Just want to hold on to just in case we need it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be a good idea. Record it, like, pretty soon, and then just keep it in the bag. We definitely need to get my friend Paul for this, though, because <laughs> Paul, Paul would just have an absolute field day with that kind of show. All right, here we go. Round go, one. Go to one, people. This one does not last very long. 454, 453, 452, 451. You can just see there that Jimmy is very, very wary of Rakic. Because Rakic is a big hitter. But I mean, Jimmy is as well. There was a lot of hype around this fight going into it. Because Jimmy was just coming off the Thiago Santos match. Mm. And we all know what happened there. That honestly one of the most entertaining fights I've ever seen. circling. Rakic moves to his right. Bam! Oh my goodness! That is one of the most brutal knockouts I had ever seen. Because he set it up so well. Like, the only one that comes close was Kevin Lee versus Gregor Gillespie. Yeah. Yeah. That, Which yeah, was very yeah, similar, actually. And I had a fear that was going to happen going into that fight. Like, I saw what Alexander Rakic was doing. I'd seen what Jimmy's inability to take the big shots, and I just thought, Rakic is going to win this one. He's going to win this one comfortably. I didn't expect that, mind you. <laughs> Holy shit. Tell you what, there's a lot of people... That's oh. beautifully set up, you know. Because he comes over with the right hand, just to throw Jimmy off balance a little bit. There. Uppercut, bang. Very similar to Kevin Lee versus Greg Gillespie. Man, the way he hits his head, he's completely out, man. That's bad. And you know, a lot of the time, you know, it's that second impact, which is actually the worst. Because I think I remember a lot of people saying that when Rampage knocked out Arona, it wasn't so much the shock to the body of him actually hitting the canvas. It was his head bouncing off the back, which knocked him out. Holy shit. I think the same thing happened to Down Till. But the worst impact when Down yeah, Till got knocked out yeah. by Masvidal was him hitting these head off the canvas. Yeah, it's always hitting the canvas. That's bad. If you're completely out like that and you fall backwards, that's bad. I mean, Jimmy was out before then, mind you. You could just see the way his body stiffened. But tell you what, there's a lot of people sleeping on Rakic. A lot of people sleeping on Rakic yeah, tonight. Yeah, talk about him for a bit. 
I do. I think that he, he's very long for the division. Great use of kicks. Um, I just think that he underestimated the arsenal of Volkan. I think all Volkan was working the kick, uh, working the legs very well. I don't think that Rakic was fully expecting it. That being said, though, I thought he won that fight. Mm-hmm. Man, Jimmy's still out. He's is out. One of those fights that you thought that he was dead, like uh, Overeem. That's one of the scariest ones I've seen. I genuinely did think that Overeem was dead. <laughs> did you think Manuel was dead here? No, no. Um, you could, you could see. I watched a lot of medical videos after that, so I knew exactly what to look for in terms of um, like fighters who were in trouble, that sort of thing. So I knew Jimmy was okay, but it's the way that Overeem just stiffened. That was the scary <laughs> thing about that. Man, it's crazy. Overeem will get like blasted like that. He'll get knocked out cold, and then he'll stand up like two minutes later and just shake it off. It's fucking insane. The funniest one for that was That's when he got knocked bad. out by Travis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he gets knocked out by Travis. Travis comes in for the hammer fist, stop the fight. And then just a couple of seconds later, Overeem just sits up, gets walks over to his corner. It's like, oh, damn, I lost again. Like, what the hell is up with that guy's head? Like, it's insane. He'll just get up. Like, and he he's missed... never out for crazy long times, but he'll look like he'll freaking die in like two seconds. And you listen to the guy interviewed. He sounds very eloquent. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't. He doesn't sound like like a puncher. You like you know how some fighters get a bit punch drunk and they start slurring their words a little bit. Yeah, there's no sign of that with Overy. Hmm. Hmm. They should donate him to medical science and find out <laughs> what the hell he was made of. Yeah, donate his brain. They definitely should donate to the UFCPI. Are you ever worried about CTE? Like when you watch the sport and you see someone get knocked out, do you think, oh God, I'm yeah, like that? Yeah, I, I think in like 30 years, we'll see like what Justin Gaethje, what the what the Michael Johnsons look like. Because I think that's the one we'll thing see. that a lot, of, a lot of the fans don't really appreciate right now. Because we, we yeah. haven't had those situations. Like everyone worries about boxing because they saw what happened to Ali. We haven't yeah. had that situation yet in the UFC. I mean, Gary Goodridge to an extent, but that's yeah. an isolated incident. And I do worry when we start see what we're going to see when we see the Gages or, or the Frankie Edgars of the world, the guys who yeah. took a lot of damage over a long period of time, what it's going to be like when they're sort of 50, 60 years old. I'm scared for Rory McDonald. Yeah, Rory's not in the right place. Mentally, he's not in the right place. Yeah, he's he's not in a good place uh, contractually either. <laughs> yeah, because he went to the PFL and yeah, I've just been hearing shit and shit coming out of there. It sounds horrible over there. Everybody wants to leave. Because <laughs> I Literally believe I believe the PFL is they gave fighters a stipend to live off during the lockdown. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's like lower than minimum wage. Yeah, fighters don't even want that. So here's one for you. Who are the three people in the PFL right now who you'd most like in the UFC? Uh, that Palmer guy, Lance Palmer. He'd be pretty good in there. Good call. And Kayla Harrison. 
I think if the UFC don't get rid of featherweight after 246, the only reason they're doing it is for Kale Harrison. Yeah. And, uh, not Rory, but, uh, <laughs> let me think, let me think, let me think. Uh, it's a tricky who would one. You isn't pick? It? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, you've, I cho I think you've chosen. The, you've chosen the two big ones there. Yeah, really. I, I'm trying to think. Like, I don't want to say Sean O'Connell or anything like that. I think O'Connell retired just because, like, their last heavyweight champ went over there and got blasted by Tanner Bozer. So, <laughs> like, really, that was the one guy I was gonna say if that fight didn't happen. <laughs> Tell you what, Tanner's building up a bit of a run recently. He's going to be fighting Arlovsky next. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be insane, brother. He's getting the uh, Tuivasa treatment now. Yes. That's basically what happens, I think. Because if you start building up a bit of a winning streak at heavyweight, you fight Arlovsky. And if you get through Arlovsky, then you fight Overeem. Like, how many guys yeah. have we seen them do that? Because they did it for, like, Walt Harris, Sakai... Uh, Royce and Strike and Garnu. Yeah, it's so <laughs> keep on going back to over right now. That guy just keeps on getting blasted. You feel like that's gonna happen with the Sakai fight? I don't think Sakai's ready. I think Overeem's okay. gonna get that one done. And yeah, I, I like Overeem's recent style. I do as well. He's because the thing is as well, like people will again point to the Royce and Strike fight, but he was winning that fight. He was five mm -hmm. seconds away from winning yeah. that fight, so he's only losing to top guys these days. Yeah, where do you see Rosenstrike going now? Well, that's interesting. Curtis Blades is going to be fighting Derek Lewis, so we can rule that one out. Um, he would have been, if DC was still going on, I could have seen DC and Rosenstrike. That's not going to happen, obviously. Um, Volkov? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but I'm very high on Volkov. I, I, I love watching him fight. I think for he's sort of like he's sort of like what Stefan he's sort of like a good version of Stefan Struve. Like yeah. just the way that he uses his reach, he's he causes wrestler problems because he's very hard to keep down. Because you yeah. have to remember Curtis Blades. Yeah, Curtis Blades deserved to win that fight. He could not do anything with Volkov on the ground. And then mm. Volkov tired him out, and then Volkov was coming on the offensive at the end of that fight. Yeah. Alright, here we go. Anthony Smith. I'm surprised we didn't watch a Strike Force event. I wanted to. And to be honest, if it wasn't for the fact that Rakic and Smith were both on this card, I would have chosen a Strike Force um, main event. Yeah. Because I think you, the thing is, you don't get many opportunities to watch the sort of old school cards these days. Oh, he's getting booed. He's getting booed severely. What's the um, what's the automated music? What's the um, dubbed over music that they're using? It sounds like it's the right music. Oh, Return of the Mark. Yeah, I don't think they do. I don't think they dubbed it over. You can turn it up. <laughs> I love that song. I mean, it has nothing to do with Anthony Smith. Like, nothing to do with his personality, but <laughs> yeah. I love Return of the Mac. All right, let's see what Gustafson's song is. Oh, yeah, that's definitely... 
They definitely left that in. What is it? It's uh, Rocky music. Oh, yeah. It's his training montage music in Rocky Four. That's the best one. Rocky Three? Might be Rocky Three. Uh, Is that the one? Just turn it up, brother. I, I don't dare. Else. I honestly don't dare. Mind you, I love. On one hand, I love the Rocky films as 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 pieces of I entertainment. I love man. I think they're I think they're legendary. But then you watch them in ter- from a fight fan's perspective, and you think Rocky Balboa would be the worst boxer of all time. <laughs> the guy has no striking defense whatsoever. Just hands down, I'm just going to take 20 or 30 shots in a row here from this big Russian. Yeah, like you put him against like a wilder, like he would get murdered in the first, <laughs> first round. <laughs> One thing I will say though is from what I've read, Stallone is really big into combat sports. And especially for yeah, the well, final... He let himself get punched by uh, Tarver in uh, Balboa. He let him let him punch him and what what i loved about that film as well was they went out the way to make it look like a pay-per-view boxing match yeah it was like right after they filmed like no it was during a pay-per-view and like in between the fights they said ladies and gentlemen you are now going to be featured in rocky balboa and he's going to be walking out fighting antonio tarver they just announced it spontaneously and then they just introduced it like an actual fight and and that's just all real crowd reactions to it. <laughs> and he just walked out and pretended like it was a real fight. Did the same thing like, with... Uh, real quick. Did the same thing with uh, Tony Bellew in uh, Creed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much the same technique. Tell you what, it's amazing how big Tarver's star was around sort of 2005, 2006. Like, he was yeah. one of the biggest mainstream stars in boxing. Yeah, after that Roy Jones knockout... Like I always, I always use Tava versus Jones as a, as one of the sort of warning signs about fighters who try moving up in weight and then coming back down. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if Bader's Bader's taken over that, but I remember everybody saying Roy went up the heavyweight fight John Ruiz, tried going back down for the Tava fight and just lost everything that made him so great. Yeah. All right, here we go. Here we go. The main event. And I was saying, you know, while you were on one of your um, breaks, that nobody gave Smith a chance in this fight. Because I ran a poll on the channel. Yeah. And it was something like Gustafsson, 80%. Wow. <laughs> What's the percentage for this week? Uh, the percentage for this week, they I definitely know they're favouring... Excuse me. Um, I definitely know that they're favouring... Um... Uh, Smith for this one. Wow. I think it's one of those situations where most of the time they go for the fighter who's more well known. Okay. Makes sense. Just try to get it off here. It's just a main event introduction to you? Yes. 63% for Smith, Rockage 37%. Oh. (laughs) As mentioned before, they normally go for the bigger name. The only time that happened, they didn't was when um, Jermaine fought Aspen Lad, and everybody picked Aspen just because they hated Jermaine. <laughs> okay. Which I think is one of the most unjust 
um, sort of vendettas the fans have had against. Because from all accounts that I've heard, Jermaine is actually a lovely person. Just well, she's, fight. She just, she's fighting again. Yeah, fighting Pena, yeah. Hell yeah. I think what they're going to do is they're going to measure Holm versus Aldana and Pena versus Jermaine. And if and they'll see which performance was better and then decide between the winners of those two who gets the next Bantamweight shot. <sighs> but that division, you know, that division is just a ghost town. It has just absolutely gone to pot over these past couple of years. Anthony Lionheart Smith. I think one of he the best. In Speaking of Moncton, we were talking about. He that. did. He fought Volcan. That's where he got his title shot. I remember absolutely marking out about that. There's just something about Anthony Smith, which I really warm to. I think there's just he's just sort of like this everyman underdog. He's just he's just a normal guy who you could just sort of meet on the street. Yeah, it's <laughs> just a normal guy. What I think was so enjoyable about this run as well was that Smith moved to light heavyweight, was taking all these short notice fights against like legends. Like he was fighting Richard, Shogun, etc. And he wasn't intimidated by them. Yeah, he was just going in and putting on a show. Like, the only time it did was against John Jones. Like, there was a moment in the stare-down when you could see him realise, what have I got myself into? And he, he fought like that on the night as well. But yet, here he is against Ghost, and without giving too much away, he he did not feel intimidated by Ghost. Especially not in the first round. So the fight starts here, our main event. 455, 454, 453. What do you think's what do you think's the next step for Gus? What do you think he sh- he should do next? Hmm. Uh I don't know. Do you I'm... think he should stay in the heavyweight? I'm not against the heavyweight move. Cause I he had moments against Badoo, but we know Vadum is very sneaky uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to the submission game, and that's always been Gus's weaknesses. But I did, it wasn't like John Volante fighting at heavyweight. I think Gustafson committed to it. I think he looked fairly light on his feet, considering his the increased mass. I would like to see him give it another go. Who I'd put him against, I'm not entirely sure. Like Maybe like a Blagoy or someone like that? Yeah. Yeah, two Ivasa maybe. Two Ivasa has been cut. I think that was a joke or something. I think he came out and said that he was joking about that. <laughs> well, I hope so. Or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> that being said, though, you've got to question. Without being too critical, like I, that that fight against Sergei Spivak was set up for the purpose of tying the hometown win. And when you fail to do that, you've got to think to yourself. Yeah. Is this guy UFC ready? And I think as well they went really big on like trying to find the new Mark Hunt because Hunter yeah. was retiring. He is this fan friendly Aussie brawler, and it it just didn't work out. Yeah, too early. Okay, commentate the fight. <laughs> like you see from Smith here, we never saw oh, we never saw any of this from Smith when he fought John Jones, and that's why 
Because for me, the way to beat John Jones is you've got to pressure him. You've got to try and put him into situations where he's going to make mistakes. And John doesn't do that all that often. But if you do what Anthony Smith did, which was just let him lead, he's going to tee off on you. So I was a bit dis- I was frustrated with Anthony Smith after watching this fight because I thought if you fought like that against John Jones, oh. I'm not I'm not saying you're going to win, but you're going to stand a much better chance. And you can see Gus here, very light on his feet, staying on the outside. The one thing I do remember from this fight card, you know, was it was on the same day as the Champions League final. Like the big soccer tournament in Europe. And I wasn't going to miss that. So I taped this and then watched it afterwards. So when I type in big letters the word Smith! exclamation mark onto my Twitter feed. And people are just wondering, what the hell are you going on about? <laughs> Man, there's a lot of blood on Gustafson's leg right there. There is. Because I think Smith landed a uh, Smith landed a kick quite early in the fight, and that opened up a cut. Reminds me of uh, what was that? Wolverine versus Hunt. Wolverine versus Hunt. His foot was bleeding immediately. I think he broke his like tibia or something. Do you think sometimes Smith can be a bit too aggressive for his own good, though? Because you could argue that's what caused him so many problems against Glover was he was trying to go for the finish a bit too early. Yeah, that's true. I, think, I don't know. Uh, got to think about uh, just his mindsets in the yeah. fight. I think he's the guy that... I think there's a lot of fighters who work better when they don't have the crowd. I think Smith's somebody yeah. who works worse. I think he's somebody who relies on like um, reactions. He sees what his opponent's doing and he adjusts on the fly. Yet when he's got no crowd to distract him, he's listening too much to what his corner does. And his corner were very yeah. much sort of push, go forward, go forward, go forward. Or maybe, yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. Nobody's ever said that. Or maybe we're just underestimating Glover. Maybe Glover is a lot better than people give him credit for. Like people say, oh, Anthony Smith lost the 40-year-old Glover. But a lot of people lost the 40-year-old Dan Henderson, 40-year-old Randy Couture. Maybe Glover's just one of those wily veterans who knows how to pull out the wins. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. But the crowd, definitely, I could see that being an impact. Yes. We're going to have to see what it's like tonight. Because that could be dangerous or fucking rockish if yes. it tells them to rush in like that. And I def- oh, man, they are swinging. And I, definitely expect, um, I definitely expect Smith to try and push the pace in that, that one. That's a bad cut. I definitely gave the first round to Smith. In one championship, they would cut away. They would not show that. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to speak too highly about one championship. I mean, the, they're in the bad books for me. <laughs> you don't want to talk about their last show? No, I'm, I'm kidding. Show. I'm kidding. I'm just having a last about it. No, I, um, I did watch their last show. Um, I have to say, I, I agree with what people were saying when they were critical of uh, Schiavello and Chilson for the commentary. Because... Yeah. They called it as if Stamp would won that fight comfortably. And I was thinking to myself, this is a lot closer than you think. Because Stamp looked so tired in those final two rounds. It, the third round was what swung it, in my opinion. 
apparently Ricky Simone just caught Corona yesterday. Yeah, he's out of his fight with Kelleher. Damn. I like Brian as well. Yeah, not shitty, man. Brian Kelleher's great, man. Very good on social media. Um, a lot of the fans call him Whitey Mouse. That's all like his unofficial nickname. <laughs> I also think Smith, you know, is one of those fighters who raises and lowers his game based on who he's fighting. Like, if mm -hmm. he's fighting the big name opponent thinks, yes, I'm I'm worthy of being in there with him. Like, he's one of those guys who sort of rises to the occasion, but if he's fighting somebody a bit low level, his performance just gets a little bit sloppy. So in some ways, he's a little bit similar to Michael Johnson, because I think Johnson's another guy who raises his game when he's fighting somebody quite high level. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Gustafson's doing some leg kicks here. Yes. He's trying to neutralize oh, the yeah. movement of Smith. Wow. Ducked right under. And if I remember correctly with this fight as well, I, I remember Gus, Gus went in the second round, definitely went in the third. Because Gus just starts thinking, hey, I need to be a bit more active here. And you see from this point on, Gus is the one who's starting to dictate the uh, pace of the fight. He's the one taking the center position. Because <clears throat> Smith's not as great when he's um, when he's forced to chase the fight. He likes the lead. It's, oh, man. It's so strange to me with Anthony Smith because did you think anything about Anthony Smith when he fought a middleweight? Not really. <laughs> Just probably one of the most generic fighters that you can come across. Like, I remember the Lombard knockout. Yeah. And aside from that, not nothing really going about him. And yet, in the space of a year, he goes into, like, fighting for a title. It, it reminds me a little bit of uh, Gilbert Burns. Oh, man, big head kick. Because Gilbert was a guy who switched weight classes for the hell of it. And I think they're going to do yeah. him versus Usman, possibly in December. Yeah, I think they're probably going to save it for the December show like they did with uh, Colby. I think they'll do three title fights in December. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because, well, we know one of them. We know that the February title's going to be up for grabs. And I honestly don't think the UFC are going to chance Usman headlining again after how badly received the Masvidal fight was. <laughs> you think they're going to snub him to, like, uh, Coleman? I think so. But then you have the situation where do you really have anything bigger than welterweight to headline We're instead? Put on like uh, Stipe versus Jones. Stipe versus, Stipe versus Jones or Stipe versus Francis, I think, is what they'll lead with. Or do you save John Do you save Stipe versus Francis for January? Oh man, that was no, aggressive from Smith there. But Gus has good head movement. Gus is very good at avoiding getting hit. Mm. Like, you're oh. not, like you're not going to get Adesanya versus Costa turning around in four months. That's out, that's out the question. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think it'll be Stipe versus Francis Stroke Jones. Yeah, most likely. Unless they set up... Uh... Oh wait, Nunes versus Anderson. When's that happening? 
Uh, that's December. Then again, they're not gonna. Yeah, I, I don't think go. they'll. I don't think they'll have that fight headline because the numbers from two fifty. Oh, apparently, the numbers from two fifty were really bad. Like, <laughs> like we're talking less than ninety thousand buys. And the UFC, <laughs> the UFC have done some really good numbers during the lockdown, all things considered. And that's just the real anomaly. Like we're going from like that's just you boycotting. That's you and your channel. I'm, I'm, I'm a million people buying the perfume now. <laughs> like, nice job, girl. Like, that's the thing, you know, is that, like, I've always said that, like, I'm somebody, oh. I'm somebody who likes to see success rewarded. I've always been that sort of believer in a hierarchy and that the best fighters should be the most popular. But the sad truth is you can argue whether or not it's right that someone like Amanda Nunes is not popular. We can have those arguments, but the facts don't lie. Like she's like three headliners, and none of them have done a hundred thousand buys. What about two hundred? That did a million pay per view buys. She was never the she was never the the A side as it were. People were buying that show for Brock, and it, like same with two or seven. People were buying that show for Ronda. When she's been the A side, people just haven't been clicking. And we can argue whether or not it's right that. People are avoiding watching her fight, but that's the sad truth as things stand. You gotta have faith, man. You gotta switch to being a fanboy instead of a hater. You gotta just shamelessly plug her and say that she's the best in the world. No, uh, I mean, Luke, Luke Thomas, Dana White, and Joe Rogan have already got that one covered. I'm gonna <laughs> stick to my niche and just be the guy. I mean, don't get me wrong, if this isn't sort of like a Joe Exotic, Carol Baskin situation. I just, I'm a money man. And when I see a fighter who isn't pulling in the big numbers, I just think to myself, is it worth us, like, like being this sort of overly positive? Because, I mean, the business side of the sport, it's not the most important thing, but it is a big factor. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm, I'm very much in the minority about that one. I've had a lot of criticism about it so I don't want to here go down go. that rabbit hole so we'll talk about what's happening in round number three here I thought Gus won the, won the third round won the second round I should say round number three do a time time code we do 4 50 49 48 47 46 what would you do with women's featherweight like depending on what happens because it's going to be, because from what I've heard, me, this is going to be the last fight on Megan's contract. And if she loses the fight, you're not going to do her versus Felicia Spencer 50 times. So you can't really do anything in that regard. So do, you, do, do, oh, we, cut, do we cut the division if Nunes gets the win, like many believe she will? No. Dana said that they're going to be signing some more featherweights. He has been saying that for like the past two years, mind you. <laughs> and to be fair yeah, he did he signed pretty much everyone from uh, the ultimate fighter and they all dropped down the bantamweight that's true I just don't think that the number of fighters there is high enough to justify the division well just wait next year we'll be saying Kayla Harrison's going to be winning in the Nunes fight <laughs> I've never if you've noticed, I've never backed 
Nunez's opponents for any of the fights. I've always thought that she was going to win. Because a, a lot of people think that me speaking positively about a Nunez opponent is me hating on her. You know what? My job is to try and sell a fight. My job is to say, hey, Felicia Spencer is a very durable fighter. She's got decent level of grappling. Um, so yeah. my job is to try and emphasize those points for the sake of the show. It's like Brendan Schaub talking about Connor's angles against Floyd and saying, yeah, you know what? Connor can do this. Connor can cause Floyd problems. He's trying to do a job. And that's just the way I look at it. Footwork here is insane. It is. Yeah, we got to focus on this fight. It's popping off, man. Oh, man. Good head kick. And this is just the moments here where you can see this with Anthony Smith. He just starts to have doubts about himself when he's fighting. I mean, especially if he doesn't get the job done early. Starts thinking to himself, how am I going to figure this one out? Because he won the first round, in my opinion. And this is where Gus really starts coming into his own. Oof. Yeah, Gustafson's picking up the pace here a lot more in this in this round. And again, still very light on his feet into the third round. Nice head movement there. Smith just thinking about switching stances. Again, Gus just feels a lot more comfortable than he did in the first round. Yeah, definitely. Ooh. Can you think of another guy who has that sort of footwork in the same way that Gus does? It's, it's beautiful to watch for the heavyweight classes. Yeah, not something in heavyweight. Nobody's ever... Nobody ever has that type of sort of bouncing style in heavyweight. Unless they're gassed out trying to breeze in some air. <laughs> Gone, possibly? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I have gone fighting uh, Shamil. Shamil, there they've uh, rebooked that fight. And I tell you what, there's a lot of people you know who need to take note of Civil Gone. Mm -hmm. I mind you, I say that you know, how many prospects have we seen lose this year? Holy shit! Look at Gustafson's leg, man. Man, you got to see the wide angle of that. That looks bad. Just dude. above the knee. It looks oh. like a fountain. Look at that. That is bad. You see it listening in the camera. The, the left oh. leg. Yeah. Oh, man. Takedown from Gus. Kicked him in the belly and then immediately went for a takedown. Smith's never been good with those body shots. Because that's how uh, Santos finished him as well, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. I don't think you see many MMA fighters working the body as much. No, not really. You see uh, Stipe, of course, talking about it a lot, but that was just because of DC's style. He's so open to it. And I think as well with DC, when you watched a lot of his earlier fights, he, when he does take body shots, he reacts like really badly. Like any sort of shot to the body, he, he overcompensates. Yeah, definitely. And it's strange, you know, like all these stories about DC and his inability to take body shots, it all came from a throwaway match against Anderson Silva. 
Like, he fought Anderson yeah. Silva UFC 200. It was just basically a sparring match to put on a show. And yet Anderson caught him with that kick in, like, the final 30 seconds. And from that point on, everybody just thought, well, DC can't take body shots. I definitely... That's what I... the GOAT does. He'll expose you. That's what he's going to do to Uriah Hall. And that's going to be his final fight as well. You think so? He's, it's, Dan has confirmed it. I mean, Dan lies, but I, I believe him on this one. That's what he said about... Actually, no, Anderson was saying that after he fought Vitor. He wanted to retire, and then, and then the next day, Dana White bought him a, a brand new Bentley, and then they saw that they signed a 10-fight contract, and uh, the Weidman fight happened. I always thought it was the Bonafide. It might have been the... Yeah, whatever the last stoppage when he had. Bonner. Yeah, it was around then. He said that he didn't want to do it anymore, and then the next day he got a Bentley. <laughs> you keep doing your job you didn't like if you got a Bentley as well, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. Can you drive yet? Yeah, yeah, of course. What's your, what's your car? Don't have, don't have one. I just use the buses around here. <laughs> Be honest, I, I hardly car. travel these days because everything's locked yeah, down. Yeah, honestly. I mean, I'm just pretty much, it's what, two miles to the gym, and that's it pretty much every day these days. Yeah, I don't need one. I never... So I'm, I'm always working at home. <laughs> I never need a car. It'd be more of an inconvenience, to be honest. Now, I'm intrigued about this because we're going to be seeing sort of what sets up the fight end in sequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good body kick there from Smith. Because I remember the, the scramble is was quite sloppy. So Smith just sort of fell into what became the fight ending position. So I'm intrigued to see how this happens because it's been... I don't can't remember seeing this fight for a long time. Again, Gus. There we go. Gus is the one who goes for the takedown. Yeah, just oh. a, a very sloppy yeah. position, and that's what decides the fight. And you know what? I I don't have an issue with Alexander Gustafsson. I love Gus, but honestly, when Smith was setting up this submission, oh. I was absolutely marking out. I was like, come on, Anthony, come on. <laughs> like, again, it's no no issue against Gus. I love Gus, but again, I was really into sort of like the Smith story. And I wanted people to say, hey, that that run to fight John Jones, it wasn't a fluke. This guy does belong at the top level. And you could argue he did that by beating Gus. Maybe Gus isn't the fighter that he once was, but this must be so hard for a fighter you know when they're on the bottom here because you're holding all that weight and i think smith does this well as well because he he could have very easily slid off there a lot of people forget what a good uh, jujitsu guy anthony smith is but gus you, gus just has no answer when they're in this position here just tries to slide it under the net oh, there man. Tightens it up, flattens him out, and it's there out. you go. It's over. And the place goes absolutely silent. Yeah, you can turn up your audio. <laughs> I already have. Shit. It's like dead silent. Like Dan Hardy even commented on it. 
You could literally hear a pin drop. That was the most quiet I've ever heard in an arena. <laughs> well, not even after we've watched like the past few empty arena matches. Surely that's the most quiet <laughs> you've ever heard in an arena. No. <laughs> Trust me, it's much louder here. How much of Gus, uh, how much of Gus retiring on this night was sort of reactive? Do you, do you think he genuinely wanted to retire? Do you think he genuinely retired and had a change of heart, or no? Do you think this was just a case I think of it was just a mistake? Yeah, right there when he he sort of he tried, tried to do a uh, tried to do like a judo trip with the legs, but yeah. Smith countered it. I feel like if that didn't happen, he probably wouldn't have landed in that bad of a position. And he was winning the fight as well. And that's one of the good Anthony Smith traits, in my opinion, is that how many times have we seen Anthony Smith losing fights and then coming back to win? A lot. <laughs> he did it against Lombard, he did it against Volkan, did it against Gus. Santos? No, I think he lost against uh, Tiago Santos. It was like it Yeah, was he came back after that, though. came back after that loss. Oh, yeah. He's coming back too quickly, in my opinion, to take on a guy like Rakic, considering what happened against yeah. Glover. Okay, we can just skip to the... Quickly pounding that uh, fast-forward button. <laughs> it's not like YouTube. I can't see where I'm going. <laughs> they used to. On the, old, um, yeah. on the old player, they used to. He never yeah, looks round happy. Four, two, thirty-eight. Yeah, he's never happy. Anthony Smith never looks like over the moon when he wins. Like the best one for that though is Ryan Hall. Have you seen when Ryan Hall wins a fight? <laughs> Just like does the shoulder shrug. He was supposed to be fighting tonight. Oh yeah, shit. I don't know if it was Corbin. Same as the beat in your ear. That's um, that's two forty-four. They're definitely doing. Tell you what, not two, happening. Tell you what, two forty-four is looking stacked. Hell yeah, brother! Can't wait to see that one. What day is that? Uh, I'll get it up for you on um, the internet here. UFC two fifty-four. Here we go. Uh, Khabib versus Gagey is going to be happening October the 24th. So we've got Khabib versus Gagey, other fights which are rumoured, uh, Zabit and Yair Rodriguez, uh, Volkov versus Walt Harris, uh, Whitaker and Cannonier, um, and also Holy. there's a rumour, Rafael Dos Anjos, he's fighting Makachev. And yeah. um, there's a rumour they're trying to do Ferguson versus Tony, not for Ferguson versus Tony, uh, no, <laughs> Ferguson versus Poirier. <laughs> Yeah, that's official, pretty much. Now that's a hell of a fight. Yeah, it's a shame that's not a five-round fight. Could you imagine, though, if... And I hope this doesn't happen. Could you imagine if something happened to Justin Gagey? And that's how we get Ferguson versus Khabib. Tony stepping in on, like, five days' notice. Yeah, and then Poirier just fights himself. I think they would... They would pull Dustin from the. They would either pull Dustin from the card, or they get somebody 
else on short notice, like maybe like a like a Charles Oliveira or someone like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, this is it. What about Turn Ch- up the audio. What about Chandler? Who's who's Chandler going to be fighting? Is Chandler coming to the UFC first and foremost? I believe so. I think he's going to be fighting. I wanted him to fight Poirier, but I think that's way too early. <laughs> I think somebody like a Paul Felder, or maybe even a Mike Perry. Mike Perry gets his act together. That's never going to happen. Have, have you seen <laughs> Have you seen Perry's latest uh, social media post? No. I'll try and get it up here. It's a good one. I have to be honest, it's a good one. Mike Perry just called out eight fighters by posting this. Make a death wish foundation, creating life-changing wishes for fighters with mental illness. Oh. <laughs> All these eight fighters have made the same death wish to die at the hands of Platinum Mike Perry in the cage, and Mike is happy to grant that wish. Nico Price, <laughs> Nicholas Dolby, Daniel Rodriguez, Emil Mech, Hamzat Shemaev, Michelle Pereira, Munia Lazez, and Darren Till. And he shows some really unflattering pictures as well. He's he's gone off the deep end, Mike Perry. That's it. Gustafson retires. And then he shows comes back a year later. <laughs> I had a fear this would happen. I I just felt that Gus mentally wasn't. I think he did think to himself, "What am I?" What have I got left if I lose this fight? And I think that was a big factor, and especially at home. I'm glad he hasn't retired. I hope that he can make heavyweight a success. What do you think he must have been thinking, though? That he thinks, hey, I've got another road to the title here by going up to heavyweight. And then John Jones does the same thing. <laughs> They're going to set up the trilogy. I think we've seen enough from the trilogy fight. I would have, <laughs> I would have been intrigued by DC versus Jones at heavyweight, because I think DC is so much better at the heavyweight class. Oh yeah, definitely. But yeah, let's make uh, final predictions. I guess. I think the Rockets gets it done. Um, I'm gonna say late second round. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, just Anthony Smith's uh, tentative style that he did in that fight. You could see. Uh, Sort of when Gustafson pressured him really hard and Smith didn't really uh, get out of range too much. Like Gustafson was able to sort of uh, dock really easily out of his range. So I could see Rockage setting up something devastating. I like he to does see, get a lot. I like to see Smith try and use the uh, kicks like he did against Gus. Because that mm-hmm. was something that Rockage had a lot of problems with against Volcan. Okay. We shall see, my friend. We shall. shall I'm really looking forward to this one. Tell you what, say what you want about um, the the fight, like these sort of lockdown cards. I think on the whole, they've been very, very good. And I have to give the UFC a lot of credit for um, making things work in in the way that they have. Mm, Definitely. And I'm I'm quite critical of the UFC sometimes in terms of uh, the management practices, but... They've done really well, uh, much better than say. Yeah, I think there's all. I think WWE. There's... <laughs> That's weird. Did you watch their recent show, like the Thunderdome? Yeah, that was really weird. They, had, they had Chris Benoit was in the audience looking at that. 
You see, you see that? <laughs> One person trying to have a laugh is going to ruin the whole thing for everyone. <laughs> That's so funny. I remember I was watching the NBA and some guy, he tried to like kiss the guy that was sitting next to him. And the guy like reacted in time and like dodged out of the way. It was so funny. <laughs> and with that, it's the end of the show. Yeah. We've actually yeah. watched the entire card there. Oh. No, that's okay. We don't need to watch the free lives. All right. Well, thank you very much, Claire, for joining me again. These Saturday shows, you know, it's just a fantastic chance to talk about what's happening in the sport, to relive some old fights. Um, so I have to give you, once again, all the credit in the world, A, for hosting the stream, and B, <laughs> putting up with me for a good, what, two hours? Yeah, yeah, no problem. I'm going to get this one edited. I'm going to get it uploaded oh, tonight before the show. It's early in the morning. I can do all my work right after this. Yeah. Right. And I'll be getting back to editing straight after this. I want to say a big thank you to everybody who has been tuning in. Uh, we will continue to do these uh, retro shows. Um, for our next one, we're going to have something with a link to sort of Al Alistair Overeem, Augusto Sakai. That's going to be our next main event. Anything in mind for that one, Claire? Let's do a strike force. I'd love to watch an old Strike Force card. It's perfect timing. Overeem versus Brett Rogers? <laughs> sure. Let's go for it. Once again, big thank you to everyone who has been tuning in. My name's been Carl Birmage. That's been Claire Richardson. Pleasure to be here. Stay tuned to the Twitter feed and the YouTube feed for any sort of updates regarding the podcast. Fingers crossed that the copyright strikers don't get to us. This has been the INC. Thank you for listening.